Welcome. Hi, I'm Chris Hemsworth. No, wait, sorry. I'm Ethan Sachs, writer of Star Wars Bounty Hunters, Old Man Hawkeye, and A Haunted Girl. My name is George Mann, and I'm the writer of Newbreen Hobbs, Witchwood, and Star Wars The High Republic. This is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you're listening. To Star Wars comics in canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello to my friends on the feeds of Comics in Motion, Genuine Chit Chat, and Star Wars Comics in Canon. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode. Sorry to the listeners of Comics in Motion and Comics in Canon that I did not release a standard episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon this week. It's just been really, really busy with stuff at work, so I've had to delay that till next week. But fear not, you will get the episode on the Darth Vader 2020 comics about the Handmaidens. In addition to that, I am interviewing another Star Wars author tomorrow, uh, so that'll be out on the feed of Genuine Chit Chat and YouTube and all those sorts of places in the coming weeks as well, so look out for that. Make sure you go back and check out the episode on Ethan Sachs as well. That was last week's episode on Genuine Chit Chat, and you can watch the full video version of that on YouTube. But in this episode, myself, Math, and Dave all talk about Attack of the Clones. Megan could not make this one because she'd recently had a wisdom tooth out and also was doing parents' evening. So by the time it came around to record, she was just absolutely shattered. So she will be in the next one when we do the Clone Wars movie, which will be recorded in a couple weeks. But this episode is just myself, Math, and Dave like it was with Star Wars Rebels Reviewed. Now, in this episode, we talk about Attack of the Clones quite obviously. We have conflicting opinions on it, so it's quite a fun debate going back and forth on these things. And also, Math very kindly put together his own quiz for Attack of the Clones. I think there were 10 or 15 questions that he asked myself and Dave, and you can hear that around 1 hour 25 minutes. And then after that, we talk a little bit more about some other stuff as well, including how we're going to plan the next year or so of Star Wars-centric content. I also wanted to mention in this conversation I make a comment about the Darth Vader 2020 comics about the Handmaidens, funnily enough, and I talk about all the Handmaidens knowing that Anakin Skywalk was Darth Vader. That's not actually correct. I was wrong there. I misspoke. It was just Sabe who figured out that Vader was Anakin Skywalker. But that's enough from me here at the start, so I'll leave you to this incredible conversation on Attack of the Clones, and then I'll be back at the end to give you a bit more information on what's to come. But thank you as always for tuning in, my friends, and I give you a review of Attack of the Clones 21 years after release. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. So, we are here for another prequel of not only Star Wars, but also a prequel to our upcoming Clone Wars Conversations show, which is coming out in 2024. And that's where we're going to aim to talk about a Clone Wars season or part of a season each month for 2024, because we enjoyed Star Wars Rebels reviewed so much, and Math has never seen Clone Wars. So today we are continuing what we did, um, which was released a few weeks ago, which was The Phantom Menace. It was a rewatch of that. I've seen that film a ridiculous amount of times, um, and Dave's seen it a few times. Math hadn't actually seen it that many times, which did surprise me. Um, and now we're going into Attack of the Clones, which is when Phantom Menace, I think, came out, people said that was the worst. But I think since then, people say Attack of the Clones is the worst. Now, the sequels have come out that's maybe shifted a little bit. I, however, am an Attack of the Clones stan. I absolutely love this film. It's flawed, but I adore it. I have fond memories, which we'll get into. And I didn't even re-watch it for this watch, friends. I'm sorry. Uh, I know it more than probably any other film in existence. But joining me 
on this journey, as always, as has done for the Styles Rebels Review chat and other Styles conversations and many more to come, is Math and Dave. So we'll do as we normally do with the usual order. Uh, we'll go to Dave first because Math's got something fun uh, to tell us, to tease us with for the end. <laughs> um, but Dave, Attack of the Clones, just first memory when you saw this um, compared to how, like, have you watched it since between watching it the first time and now, that kind of the journey of Attack of the Clones for you? <laughs> So I, I think after Phantom Menace, I, I was still on my roller coaster of emotions between flip flopping between uh, yeah yeah really enjoyed it and it's Star Wars isn't it and you know it's, it's got some good stuff in there to actually that was really shit but you know when the next one came out I, th- I think I'd I think I'd accepted that it was a bit shit but I was still hopeful. And I was thinking, well, the next one's got to be better, you know. And and uh, there was a huge build up to it as well. And saw it. I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the first week. Can't specifically remember, but I, I'd have been so excited. I, I was. I would have seen it pretty soon after it came out in the cinema. And I watched it, and then yeah, for a lot of the movie, it was going through the same emotions of. Oh God! Uh, what is this? You know, it fucking looks like Blade Runner. It's not—it's not what I recognised as Star Wars. But then you have the battle scene at the end, and that's the thing that kind of lives in your memory. But I remember being at the cinema, and it shows up, and the fucking what? What I thought at the time, like stormtroopers show up, and they're the goodies, like Yodas with with stormtroopers i mean can you imagine if the ss turned up you know hey it's us Saktung. we've come to save you you know you'd be like fucking hell <laughs> it's the ss so i just remember being shocked by that no obviously they're not stormtroopers we know now they're clone uh troopers but um but yeah and and then i think post watching it that first time and then you know i got it on dvd and whatever and i think it was in between that getting it on dvd and then revenge of the sith coming out i just made my mind up then these prequels are shit like, <laughs> really really shit. like they're just not what i recognize the synthetic feel all of the the cgi um it just wasn't that grubbiness that warning look of of the original trilogy star wars so by the time revenge of the sith comes around you know i'm not out i'm gonna watch it of course but i'd already made my mind up okay this is this is something different to star wars this is almost like a a different universe so yeah that was nice Rip my heart out. Um, before <laughs> I go to math, I will quickly note something that's fun, a bit of trivia for Attack of the Clones. Um, they actually, and I, I think this was only really announced in a recent interview with Ewan McGregor, where it was all of the audio for Attack of the Clones had to be re-recorded afterwards. Because George Lucas had this, like, it's a certain machine on that was specific to do with one of the special effect types or something and it was so loud this big hum in the background it basically destroyed all audio so they had to redo all the audio um, right so which may explain in some ways why parts feel a bit disjointed and why certain dialogue is like where's the emotion in this you, you know that might be one and that's only been a recent thing i think when he said that in the in the interview i think probably everyone who was on attack of the clones was like oh no no one's <laughs> oh no no one said that before uh, but math with you, Phantom Menace, you really surprised me. You only watched it once at uh, the cinema and then maybe once since then. With Attack of the Clones, is your journey similar? And how has it been since uh, the release in 2002? Yeah, 
unfortunately, yeah. I, I, again, I think I'd, I'd come, I'd come back home, um, and I can't. I live. I think I'm living with my parents now. I think I went with my dad to go watch this, and I remember us coming out and just kind of, it again, the kind of back in the first thing. The first thing was saved by Jewel of the Fates to a certain degree. This they've done the same again. There's a big battle, a big scene, and a big. Oh, do you kind of come out? You think, oh, yeah, it's all right. But the the problem is because it's a middle film. At this point, he he was going to you know make sure he did this trilogy. It kind of felt like it were missing. It just it, it never had that proper ending, which you know we we've seen like Lord of the Rings and what have you. That you get the middle films and they just kind of feel the they feel like a filler. Uh, and again, if it weren't for that big battle scene, it would have really struggled. Uh, going back and watching it again now, whoa, um, I'm going to upset you, I think. It, it, there's good parts of it. There is good parts of it, but you realise how how creepy Anakin is. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, he, stalker vibes. Or, or, you know, I mean, he's it, just a little bit too full on at times and it, and it made me feel uncomfortable watching it at times you're thinking well hang on a minute just you know kind of take a step back here guy and it seems like he doesn't need to start and kind of double down even more and more and more um, and I, I don't think I really picked that up the first time I'd watched it one of the second obviously things have moved along in 20 years and you know we are more aware of stuff which is a good thing but it, you realise that whoa you know, Anakin, you know, kind of calm down a bit. I, I understand you're a teenager and you have emotions and that, but, you know, I think you need to kind of uh, go take a cold shower at some point here. <laughs> I, I, oh, go ahead, Dave. I, I was just going to say, right, because I, I, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. Do it. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise that Space Hitler is a bit fucking rapey, but he is a bit fucking <laughs> rapey, isn't he? I mean, the the, the first bit, and I message you guys, is when, uh, you know, they're guarding Padme. And she's like, <laughs> switch the cameras off. Yeah, she stopped me watching. What? And I was like, what the fuck? What weird thing to say. But later in the movie when they're having the romance scene and they're sat in the meadow having a nice little romantic time of it. And she says, Oh, you're not going to use your Jedi mind tricks on me. And he goes, Oh, it doesn't work on the, that only works on the weak minded. I'm like, no, Anakin, that's not the right answer. The right answer is I would not try that. <laughs> not, I've tried it and it, you know, it doesn't work on the weak minded. <laughs> you know, it only works with them. I was like, fucking hell, you are a bit of a, you know, <laughs> bit of a wrong one, aren't you? So, oh, yeah, sorry, I had to I had to bring that up because I thought it was incredibly rapey. I don't know whether that was intended, but definitely how I watched it this time. We'll, uh, we'll delve straight into Anakin, but I will say with this uh, with this film, I my fond memories was because it was, I had this on VHS tape, uh, and it was one of the last films I think I ever bought on VHS, because uh, I think it was around the time, it was 2002, 2003, uh, so it was when DVDs were, you know, I think coming in a bit. And I, well, as VHS strikes back, you know, it, 2005, I think, is when, was it DVD sales overtook uh, That's VHS right, sales? Yep. Yeah, yep. so, yeah, I'm a true fan, I know. Uh, but it's, um, 
so with that, I had that on VHS. I had Phantom Menace on VHS, and then the special editions of uh, Star Wars: The Original Trilogy um, on VHS. And um, that's, these aren't my original ones from that time. I got rid of them in some for some bizarre reason, or my mum probably did. And then my friend Tom bought me these, which was very nice for a birthday a couple of years ago. So I've got them. Um, but the the film itself, so Revenge of the Sith was, I think, the first film I ever had on DVD. Uh, it was that, and I think Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets were my two kind of firsts. Um, and very similar. In certain ways, um, but I, I love them both. But with Attack of the Clones, I rewatched this film more than any other film that exists, apart from maybe Shaun of the Dead a few years later. Like, I think Shaun of the Dead, I could almost, if you put it on, I can just say every word every person's going to say. And I think with Attack of the Clones, I can pretty much do that. I think if I wrote, if I now had to try and, I'm not going to, but just start the film, I could do a pretty good job, apart from a few boring scenes. So I used to skip through the Anakin Padme stuff. So there were parts, by the end of the tape's life, as, you know, maybe the young'uns listening to this may not be aware of this, but with VHS tapes, because it was analogue, if you fast-forwarded or paused at a certain point frequently enough, it would essentially kind of burn the reel in the tape. And so there'd be points where if you fast-forward, like if people filmed stuff off TV uh, and there was like adverts and things, then you would notice if you watch the film quite frequently, there's points where it would shake a little bit and a little bit more staticky stuff would come up at certain points where people would be fast-forwarding or rewinding or whatever. Um... So with that, around the Anakin Padme stuff, there was always a fast forward, like, whoop, because it was, to me as a kid, I was like, this is boring, love stuff. And yeah, he's awkward, whatever. But I was a child. I was like, he's just an awkward, weird guy, whatever. I don't care about that. And then running in the meadows and hugging and laughing and blah, I don't care. But the Obi-Wan stuff, I was like, my boy, Obi-Wan being cool, inspecting stuff, basically doing everything himself completely. And then, oh my God, Christopher Lee's in this film. And then, holy shit, we get to see Yoda fight like an absolute fucking madman. I was like, this is incredible in every way. And then it ends. And then I watch it, I watched it and watched it and watched it. And I've seen it so many goddamn times, as I've said. But when I watch it now, I do enjoy it. But I feel like both Phantom Menace and this are probably the worst Star Wars films. I think Rise of Skywalker the the writing is is quite bad in the sense of the plot but the dialogue isn't the worst whereas the dialogue in these two films especially this one is not good for um Anakin and Padme it's, it's just not and even Megan says Obi-Wan in this is uh, Hugh McGregor she says can act he's a good actor he's good in the first film he's good in Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan's great she says he is not good in this film which we'll delve into, I'm sure. But Meg- because Megan isn't here because she had a uh, late evening with parents' evening stuff recently, had a wisdom tooth out, she was like, I kind of want to be in it, but I'm also really tired. And I was like, "Don't you can- in the Clone Wars one, you can give some thoughts, but they're the kind of things she'd want to say. But Anakin, I found he was, as I get older and I watch it, I understand he needs creepy, 100%. He says, I think, um, she didn't like me watching her while she was sleeping or something along those lines. And you're yep. like, okay. And this is the start of the film. And he's like, you're as beautiful as I remember in my dreams and it's like okay dude back off and it's like i know that you're meant to be this kind of repressed uh, horny teenager basically he's 19 and he's he grew up enough to be that kind of age where i think he was 10 in uh, phantom menace where that's the age you start noticing things a little bit i don't think you necessarily grow into a sexual being at that point but you that's like preteen, you know that's where you start on your kind of puberty kind of goes around for guys a little bit later than that so i think that because he had that when it came to the puberty stuff, he wasn't repressed enough like the young Jedi are. And so he was having these weird feelings and stuff that he was never told about or explained. And then he's talking to this person who's the only connection to him not being a Jedi and this celibate monk, you know, not an aphrodisiac in any way, the Jedi at all, apart from their very phallic weapons. Aside from that, nothing. So it's like him being like that, it's so awkward and odd. And 
they're the parts that are the worst part of the film for me is that Phantom Menace is just every time Jar Jar opened his mouth. But other than that, apart from a few boring conversations about trade and stuff, it's not really got that many issues in the grand scheme of things. But whereas Attack of the Clones, you've got a huge chunk of the middle of the film is between Obi-Wan interacting with almost pure CGI while being a detective, which is cool, but not that Star Wars-y, to be honest. And then on the other side, you've got Anakin and Padme having really boring dialogue, which no one cares about, that also everyone knows the end of, because Padme's not around. They mention the mum's not around in the original trilogy, and we know Darth Vader. So it's this weird thing where, until they get to Tatooine, you're just watching these people badly act in these CGI fields and things, and you're like what is this there's no chemistry here whatsoever uh so anakin not good and i'm i'm a proponent i agree i put my hands up and accept that i think the problem is he he tries to justify it several times like um when she says you know but the the jedi aren't meant to have partners something along that lines it says no but we're meant to love and this Mm. is love And and it's like he's He's trying to justify it to her, but justify it to himself as well. Of you know, it's all right for me to feel this way and do this because you know it's for the greater good, you know. And I think that's a problem when he starts trying to justify how he's been. He starts getting to the point where, hang on a minute, this is a point where he, maybe maybe someone else should have said to you, I don't know, Anakin, step back a bit, you know, just calm down because you, you, you're going too far. Hmm. Um. But, I think Obi-Wan did that quite a lot, and that was part of the issue. Yeah. He scolds uh, him in front of Padme, and he's like, like Anakin's trying to give suggestions, we'll find him, Padme, don't worry. And everyone's like, quite my young Padawan, that, that kind of thing. And it's just like, they have like a weird, almost argument mm-hmm. in front of Padme, and he's like, you'll know your place. It's like, so I think that's part of the issue, is that there's this, I mean, the, the, the theme of Duel of Fates, according to Feloni, spoke to George Lucas and stuff, is the Sith won because Maul killed Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon would be the ultimate father figure and mentor for Anakin, whereas uh, Obi-Wan was more of a brother. He says it in Revenge of the Sith. You know, for all the poor dialogue decisions George Lucas chose in the prequels, there are themes across that are quite clever. And he's like, you're a brother to me, you know? And, and but, he but in this one, he thinks of him as a father. and He says and, that, yeah. And Obi-Wan's, Obi-Wan acts a bit more like Qui-Gon in this, I would say, a bit more kind of, Oh, this is for how we have to do things. Mm. Whereas I have seen Revenge of the Sith a, a, a few times. So when we go into that, I have seen it a few times. I think there he's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more kind of, we've got to get stuff done. Whereas in this, he seems to, he knows he's taken on this mantle of being, you know, the Jedi Master now. So he, he he's trying to live up to that way. And then maybe maybe not having that feeling not showing that love to anakin in a way that's why anakin kind of went i mean it's no excuse <laughs> but that's why anakin kind of went off in this way and then he had no outlet he had no one to really talk to and you know i mean you know you could i, I have a i have a sister i don't have a brother, but you know i could go and talk to my sister about certain stuff when i was younger i wouldn't probably go to my mum and dad and talk to him and maybe that's why there was that friction between them because all of a sudden Obi-Wan's gone from kind of being, you know, on the same line. Because they say that, you know, he says, you know, we we are about the same power. If anything, I'm probably better than what Obi-Wan is. You know, he's not even my equal. Yeah, he's in charge of me. And it, there's always that kind of discourse. Yeah. 
yeah. between well, them both. Well, I want to ask with Dave. So, um, Dave, obviously, you with with Anakin's relationship with Obi Wan, obviously, where you've seen the Clone Wars, it kind of bridges the gap between mm-hmm. uh, this film and Revenge of the Sith. So, if you could talk a little bit about your thoughts on Obi Wan and Anakin, and any other kind of parts of Anakin you want to discuss. Yeah, I think this Obi Wan is different. I know it's ten years on, but I think I think you'd seeing an attempt to bridge to the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, you know, a much more parental, it's not a brotherly thing. It's much more of a parental type relationship, but I think everyone's a bit of a dick to Anakin. It's not just (laughs) Obi-Wan, you know, let's talk about grooming Padme. So, you know, she sees him as a child, right? She even says, oh, don't worry, he's not a Jedi, he's just a Padawan learner. You know, like, 20 minutes later, they're in bed. So, <laughs> it just is, it's, it's a bit weird, and, like, everyone is just having a bit of a go at him. So, um, yeah, I think the, the relationship was, it was weird, right? Because from the original trilogy, you're expecting this real matey, people of the same age, type relationship uh and so i i remember going back you know those first few times of watching it and thinking this just feels odd because you've got this father figure type relationship and this isn't really what i was expecting so i still i still have that bias now whereas it it jar jars with me a little bit you know so um nice yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the sequels have, isn't it? That's interesting because you've got Ray, Finn, and Poe who are the, the main three. Whereas I've yeah. never thought of that. You're right. Whereas in in the prequels, it's such a shift from conventional Star Wars. As yeah, the that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I was curious for you that I, I think you've probably already answered a, a question I had coming into this, which was liking this movie so much i was wondering is it because of the clone wars because for me i think i've enjoyed it i'm gonna rip its pieces by the way but but i kind of enjoy it but i think it's more because of there are the architecture of it i think works quite well Mm. And it lays down some breadcrumbs, which are picked up on in Clone Wars later. Mm. And it's just these little nuggets that that pop up in between everything else. Um, but I wondered if if that's what made you like this movie so much. But it sounds like you, you've always kind of liked this one. Yeah, I've always adored this movie. This is my favorite Star Wars movie for a long time. And when I first watched Revenge of the Sith, I didn't actually like it very much. Um, when I came out of the cinema, it took me a, a rewatch or two. And I was like, oh, no, this is phenomenal um with the clone wars the way i describe attack of the clones i think it's like a really nice vase that you've dropped and you've it's not completely smashed you haven't chucked it away but you put it back up and there's a big old chip in it and then a crack going down the side and i feel like what clone wars does is clone wars makes a vase that it should have been and then with extra pieces left over it fixes the original vase almost fills in the gaps so you've now got these two things one that's near perfect which is clone wars it's not but it's very polished in a lot of ways it's very thought out you know there's not many apart from parts in season one of the movie there's not really any major major flaws in it especially not dialogue or storytelling wise and then it makes attack of the clones better but i actually went i've always loved attack of the clones um completely and then i watched the clone wars movie at the cinema um i've still got the ticket stub somewhere and i couldn't stand it i i was like i'm not into this don't 
don't like it. Don't like Anakin having an apprentice. It doesn't feel like it fits. The whole animation style is not pleasant to look at, and it's too silly. And so I never bothered with the series. I only watched Clone Wars um, about nearly 10 years ago. So when during my lunch breaks at work, um, I used to just watch an episode or two every lunch break, um, and I was like, this is pretty good. And then I was like, I'll give Rebels a go, like properly. And then it kind of went from there. I was like, this is amazing. I need to go back and properly watch Clone Wars, giving it my full attention rather than kind of half watching it on my phone and doing other stuff, you know. And so it kind of went from there. And then obviously Series 7 of the Clone Wars came out and added. So I think it's it's almost like I love Attack of the Clones unashamedly. It's a flawed movie, but I, I love it. And I think the Clone Wars has almost just kind of given me more justification. Now it's more acceptable to like Attack of the Clones because of Clone Wars and because of those reasons. And I think that Attack of the Clones... And the most of the prequel trilogy, to be honest, Revenge of the Sith is the most complete, but Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones really need some editing and really need certain elements flushed out more and explained more, like the rule of, rule of two Sith thing that's literally just like a comment once, and it's basically never mentioned really again, not even mentioned, and you're like, what is, like, it kind of is in Revenge of the Sith when he gets a new apprentice and stuff, but it's like, it's so in the background somewhere, and then other things are just hyper-focused, and it's like, he, they needed to shave things off, tweak this bit. There's a really good foundational story here. Attack of the Clones is one of those films where if you squint at it, it's one of, like, it's a masterpiece. But as soon as you actually really focus on certain parts, you really see the flaws in it. And I think because I saw it as a kid, like, not to age everyone here, I'm sorry, um, but I was eight when I saw this. So I wasn't even te- I wasn't even as old as Anakin was in Phantom Menace when I first saw Attack of the Clones. So I watched that film, and you know what kids are like under the age of like twelve, even maybe beyond that. They're like, I like this thing. I'm gonna watch it five times every day for an un- <laughs> yeah. for a bizarre mm. reason for a, a period of time, and it's gonna become a core part of my personality. And that's basically what happened with Attack of the Clones. So yeah, Clone Wars is something where it, because of it, the end of this especially is is really just if the end of this is the best part by far and really when you hone in on that the clone wars goes everything you like about attack of the clones we're essentially going to expand on and improve on and make better and lead into every almost everything you'd like to attack in revenge of the sith especially with uh, some of the final seasons and we're going to mesh it together and bring out what was this fantastic foundation with a not the best execution we're going to bring that out and actually put something together where if george lucas and another team had helped him take the time to make as much effort with the Clone Wars as he did with the prequels, the prequels would not be held in the same regard, if you kind of know what I'm saying there. Um, but I've just spoken a lot, and I've spoken about Clone Wars, uh, Attack of the Clones, hundreds of times uh, in all across loads of podcasts. So let's pass the baton back. Math. With this film then, so you didn't enjoy it as much. So compared to Phantom Menace, did you prefer this more? Did you prefer Phantom Menace? And what were aside from the big Geonosis battle? Like, what did you also think about other elements of this film with Obi Wan, with some of the Jedi stuff? Like, how did you feel about it? Uh, I think the problem is it it, it it's flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, in I, it, maybe you can answer this right. You say about the Sith, the, mm-hmm. there's a little bit too. I've never understood this. Right, they talk about you know Anakin was there to bring balance to the Force. Yeah. There's a shitload of Jedi Masters and Padawans. There's loads of them, but there can only be two Siths. Mm-hmm. How, how is that balanced? How can that be balanced when there's only two bad guys and there's a shitload of good guys? Mm-hmm. And how shit they are, the fact that, you know, 
oh, oh, the Sif is watching us and he, he knows our weakness. And he's walking around you and you're talking to him all the time and you can't pick that up in the force. You know, the, I get it. There's that line there that the Sif have realised that we're, we're blind to see them and that. So the kind of, you know, that's the way they kind of try to get around it so that, you know, there's all these Jedis and then never notice the fact that, he, you know, the Sif's right under the nose. But at the same point, how can there be balance in the Force when there's only two of them mm-hmm. against um, so many? Yeah, well, I'll say in brief. Um, so essentially, the prophecy, it's in the Master and Apprentice book by Claudia Gray. It's fantastic. Uh, they've got other prophecies in there as well. Uh, in short, what it's it's part of it is to do with what the Jedi perceive as balance. The Jedi perceive balance as all light side, no dark side, which isn't true equilibrium. But the weight of the dark side is so heavy that it's when there's actual equilibrium, it's kind of, oh, there's only two, but they're so bad almost that the amount of this Jedi, you know, kind of in that way. But the thing is, is that the balance isn't necessarily before Anakin. It's Anakin brings balance. And what does Anakin do? Anakin actually, in um, in Revenge of the Sith, he kills, you know, a huge amount of the Jedi. And him and Palpatine exterminate the Jedi. And by the time of the original trilogy, there's Yoda, there's Obi-Wan, and there's a few maybe scattered around, but not really any true facing up to evil Jedi. But there's about two-ish active ones, let's argue. Mm-hmm. And then Luke takes to the forefront, Obi-Wan dies, so does Yoda and things. And so eventually, with Luke and um, Vader, Vader kills Palps and then dies, and that's just Luke left. So there's various interpretations of at what point the balance was brought. Was it when all the Jedi were exterminated and there's only a same amount of Jedi or similar in power to the amount of Sith there were? Was it when he kills Palpatine and then there's basically almost no Jedi left and no Sith? You know, when when is this? That's hmm. It's a very good question. And this is actually something that gets pondered by this whole podcast just talking about the balance of the Force. Even Yoda says it may have been misread in Revenge of the Sith. You know, the Jedi perceive it as he eradicates the Sith. The Sith perceive it as he brings us back. And hmm. the answer is kind of somewhere in between. And I kind of view the Order 66 thing is the Jedi misinterpreted it. But that concept... There's a certain arc in the Clone Wars, I'll call it the Mortis arc, that hyper-focuses on the prophecy of the Force. And it it doesn't necessarily answer your question, but it does bring a lot of interesting context to what that kind of means. Yeah. Because um, it, it, yeah. it, it seems like, um, skipping forward a bit, it seems like the Jedi have this kind of, get out of it, oh, I'm a Jedi, so I'm all right. Mace Windu chops Django's head off. It's like, oh, I've just done that. No problem. No, no problem. No, no worry about him going to the dark side or anything like that or being a Sith, you know. And it seems to be fine for when Jedi's do that, but you know, it, it it's just hypocritical. Yeah, very much. And the thing is, mm-hmm. how can you be this, you know, this guardian of light, this Jedi, without having a bit of dark side? You know, that's. It's one of the things I really enjoyed in Rebels, the fact that Ezra kind of walked the fine line between both and realised that he had to use a bit of the dark side to be able to kind of do do good. And it, it they seem so hypocritical, the fact that they kind of say, oh, you can't do anything like that. How the hell are you going to get anything done? Because, you know, you, your hands are always going to be tied mm. unless it suits you. Well, Dave, I don't know if you want to speak a little bit because obviously Mace Windu is in the Clone Wars about the hypocrisy of Mace Windu in some degree. 
Yeah, he's a fucking fascist, isn't he? Really. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I don't want to get political. It's really hard not to right now because the the world, it, UK in particular right now is bonkers, isn't it? And you've got like free speech warriors demanding things be banned and stuff. And, and it's just dripping with hypocrisy. And what I'd say is that I think all of the things I said about Phantom Menace, I think I, I would say about this as well, that there is a great film in there somewhere, you know, with a bit of bit better direction, cut down to two hours or less. I think you could have made a much, much better movie, uh, better acting and all that stuff as well would help. But I still think, you know, there's something good in there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the the clever thing that that is there in the architecture are the are the political themes and the hypocrisy and the politics. Th- those are the clever things, but they're also abstract, you know. And and if you think why why did Star Wars catch fire initially, going back to seventy seven, and then you know through the early eighties with the rest of the trilogy, well, it's because it was super simple. It was really easy, you know. The goodies are over here, the baddies are over here, you know. It, it was boiled down to be so easy. Whereas you've got this kind of, uh, you know, Palpatine basically being a warmonger, pulling the strings behind the scenes, playing both sides, you know, playing everyone against each other, but playing to the crowd, you know, rallying people up using hate speech and stuff like that. So it it's, there's some really, really clever stuff in there. But it's it is you mentioned it before, Mike. It's the execution of it that that's off. But yeah, I I do I do appreciate the the architecture of this movie more so than the acting, <laughs> the scripting, the you know the dialogue, the delivery, uh, some of the CGI. It's still I I can't not talk about the pair. Uh, like <laughs> what winds me up about the pair more i mean from the moment i saw it that first time just the thought of it it was just weird but i was watching this sound like you literally cut off the bottom part of the pair like the worst part of the pair <laughs> you could give that to her <laughs> just of all the silly things i i just I, it still irritates me for some reason. And he took it so, off her. She had it ready to go. I'm going to have some. He's yeah. like, nope, I'm going to bring it over here, yeah. cut it, and give it <laughs> back gonna, to you, the worst bit. Like, give you the core. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, but I just feel like most of that really clever political stuff is probably missed on most people. The the, the only people who possibly get it, I, I well, some people might get it. People who've watched Clone Wars, probably definitely get it you know what's what's really going on there but i just think it again you've got this disconnect between these really adult thought-provoking themes and you know this silliness you know and jar jar was dialed right down wasn't he i i I was looking at some of the trivia before i didn't realize but lucas you know in in retaliation i guess for the the response jar jar got the the secret kind of internal project name for this was um jar jar's big adventure that was the working title for this movie (laughs) (laughs) so if there were any leaks people would have gone nuts you know but um yeah i don't know what you guys think but i just think again as with phantom menace it just has that two different 
complete different sides to it. You know, the really thought-provoking stuff and the really quite childish, silly stuff. They, they, they can do that. Well, I mean, if you get the right writing, they can do the political side really well. Look at Andor. Andor is probably one of the best Star Wars things out there. Mm-hmm, 100%. And that. And it, to a certain a bit like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, I never would have thought I'd have been really interested in the politics side, and I really was. And all yeah. the same thing. You, you love the bitch with the mamotha when she's talking to the Jedi, to the council and the Senate and things like that. You actually enjoy and you want to see it. Action's fine and all the rest of it, but you actually want to see them battling in that way with the words. You know, rightly or wrongly, Palpatine's brilliant, really, because he is he's 10 steps ahead of everybody, of planning things and plotting things. It's, oh, oh, has this happened? Well, I suppose... Suppose I'll have to be in charge then, and things like that. It, it, it's, I love it's, the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it, it, so good at it, and that is, and then bits are fun to watch, and they're not the big action things. They're the, you know that because it's a lot more. That's the point when you think he's thought about this, and that, and, it, and it, there's something there. Unfortunately, then you kind of lose it by having this, let's kind of mash this love story together and kind of, bad way of saying this in a way, force it on on everybody else, you know, a bit like Anakin was trying to do. Um, it, there's certain parts of Star Wars I wish they would just kind of let it go. And it, it's, let's see C-3PO again. Let's you know R two fine. I can deal with R two in there because you know it it kind of fits. It kind of works. But the C three PO again, it's like I get it. We we know C three PO, but you don't need to kind of push him into it. Oh, I'm just going to appear on the ship now and just come with you. And oh, I'm now going to be part of one of the battle droids. And please, he is the worst in all the in the film trilogies. Three PO is the worst in the prequels. I, and, I would controversially say 3PO is the best in the sequels because I think he's so, so funny in, in The Phantom Menace, in The Force Awakens he is. Rise of Skywalker, one of my least favourite of the Star Wars films. Best C-3PO's in Rise of Skywalker. Every word that comes out of his mouth I think is hilarious and I love it. And in the prequels they're like, let's just kind of put him here and kind of waste him. And you're like, what? Why have you made Anakin kind of make him? What's what? What does that achieve? Well, everything's all connected. Everything's all connected anyway. It's just a dramatical droid. Mm. R two was just a random droid. Obi Wan didn't build him. He, he just saved everyone. Why couldn't three PO be someone that R two saved from like a a Jawa thing? He gets taken by the Jawas at one point. He saves three PO. That would be a nice little clever ironic twist on the original trilogy. But no, they're like, oh, Anakin made him. And then what's he going to do in the second one? Let's just have him fall about and CGI around this CGI droid factory. And you're like, is is this humor? Is this funny? Am I, is this comedy? When I was eight, I was like, this is just kind of weird and unnecessary and a kind of waste of time. It it was weird. It was almost like it was a, I I think a lot of this was um, almost to sell the services. It it, was, you know, you've got to make the movie. But also you've got, you know, what is it, Sky Skywalker Studios or what was the Lighthouse? Yeah. Skywalker Ranch. The Skywalker Ranch, the place there's um Lucasfilm um does it, but there's light yeah, LFT, I think it is. Um, yeah, it's them, you know, is it is it just 
for them to sell their own services you know is it just a tech demo because that whole game sequence it, it looked like it should just be on a playstation 2 game or or something yep. like that but the thing with 3po i mean i i don't know if you ever watched do you guys ever see the cartoon droids yeah it, 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 just, he blinks and it's really unnerving yeah I, I just like what what is the point of that you know it, i think lucas loves these droids way more i mean uh, you know you kind of love them in their role as sidekicks, but they don't have to be in everything. Mm. But I was watching this time and I'm thinking, how the fuck does Uncle Owen not recognize C-3PO <laughs> in New Hope? He's, he's right there. And you can say C-3PO could have had his mind wiped or something like that, but Uncle Owen is right there. <laughs> it's been like 23 years, I think, and that's it. The and they haven't is- had any protocol droids since. Yeah, I, I get the fact that there were a lot of them type of droids, but surely when he speaks and he starts talking, you'd kind of hang on a minute. I know yeah. you. Yeah, I, yeah. Are you such and such? Oh, yeah, I am. All right, here you come then. But <laughs> uh, again, we're picking up flaws. <laughs> I mean, there, this film is very flawed, so I was just trying to look up to see if I could find the name of, because people, I'm I'm atrocious, to, so people know, I'm terrible at out, out of universe Star Wars trivia, like as people saw in the Discord. Like, I don't this know. This will be fun. I mean, in in universe, don't try and get your excuses in. Yeah, no, I'm clarifying. You saw on Discord, you saw that my the the trivia stuff. I have that were hard out of universe. I just I I have no real interest in that regard. Like, there's loads of Star Wars documentaries and books and stuff, and I'm sure they're all fun. But like for me, I like being fully immersed in the universe, like a, a VR headset on of it and it was the same when I used to be really into Doctor Who I didn't I watched Doctor Who Confidential a couple of times behind the scenes and once I could see how they made the alien prosthesis on their face I was like oh but now when I look at the alien I see a person with latex on their face painted not the actual thing so for certain things I'm, I don't always pay attention to that stuff behind the scenes so I'm sorry that I can't remember the name of the, the Lucasfilm light um, thing with Bob um, but I wanted to ask about uh, Mace Windu because uh, Math mentioned it earlier and the hypocrisy of it. And there's some very clever subtext, and it, it, it comes to fruition in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but Mace Windu is a hypocrite, as, as Dave said. And it's the thing is, is that in in Revenge of the Sith, it's shown a lot more, but, you know, Anakin's got D- Dooku there, ready to kill him, and he's like, what do I do? And Palpatine says, do it. And then he does, and he kills him. Then when the roles are reversed, when Mace Windu has a chance to kill someone who they also can clearly see as a Sith and a baddie, he's like... Anakin's like, no, we can't, we can't kill him. It's not the Jedi way. This is the thing I'm clinging on to because everything around me is broken. The Clone Wars has ravaged me, has destroyed my hope in anything. I'm like falling apart. The only thing keeping me together is basically Padme. And now I'm having visions of these horrible things going on with her. She's she and the Jedi are my last things. And then you, the grand the like Yoda's the grandmaster, and then uh Mace Windu is like the co-grandmaster. There's two words for it but they're basically even uh, level but it's like because yoda's so old when he's grandmaster they have another grandmaster to be like yoda can go off and do his own thing for a while this is here's the other grandmaster just because yoda wants to do his own thing and it's like he's he's saying no i'm just gonna literally kill the supreme chancellor of the republic in cold blood because of a political thing because i think because of a political ideology difference and anakin's like but but that's what he told me to do. Except the difference between the two of you is that you're telling me you've basically been a dick to me my entire life and have never trusted me. And this guy's saying I can save your wife. And so that moment when I can seize it again, it's not directed in the best way to make that that so clear. But when you look into it, you're like, that's a really clever thing. And Mace Windu the whole time and throughout the Clone Wars, he never trusts Anakin at all. 
And there's a book called um, Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade that's phenomenal. And that's about a Jedi who becomes an Inquisitor. And she is alive. She's at the, ba- at the Battle of Geno, so she can't see her in the film. But she's she's there as a Padawan, and she loses her master there. That's very, very early in the book. And then she obviously becomes Inquisitor. The name of the book is Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. And you see, she she's at the knighting ceremony that Anakin is at to become a Jedi. And she can feel the mistrust off Mace, not only onto Anakin, but onto her. She never got on with Mace Windu. Mace Windu is getting people to spy on her and all these kind of other things. She becomes an Inquisitor. So there's all these people that Mace Windu himself, very cool character, you know, don't get me wrong, and Samuel Jackson was great as him. But like, there's so many people in Star Wars that Mace Windu, because he was so dogmatic and so like, no, you can't do this thing. No, 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 you can't do that. All the time and Yoda's a bit more sympathetic and understanding, it pushes people away. And Megan hates Mace Windu. She says she blames him under Palpatine as the main reason Anakin fell. And I think in this film, you get little breadcrumbs of it again. But one of my favourite scenes in all of Star Wars, to be honest, is when Anakin's mum dies. I think, apart from her death, which is a bit too droppy, I think that the scene is actually directed pretty well. And it does make me feel something. And when Anakin does kill the Tusken Raiders, when I was younger, it didn't hit me that much. But seeing it as an adult, I'm like, this is, especially after watching things like Book of Boba Fett and Mando, you're like, this, this is very brutal. They were like, let's get a guy killing children, but we can't really show it that much. So let's make them basically monsters, air quotes. And then in Revenge of the Fifth, like that, that's just, that's just almost literally show him killing children. And you're like, <laughs> you know, I know as Dave said, he's space Hitler. So, but it's like that scene I really enjoy. So I know, We've spoken about Anakin as romance and that kind of stuff, but a lot of this film is showing the turning point of Anakin from being a kid to him becoming Darth Vader. This is like the middle stepping stone. So Dave, I want to ask you first, what do you think about Anakin in this? And then how does that, obviously with no spoilers, how does that connect with the Clone Wars? Like watching Anakin himself change. How did you find that in the film itself and then also post-Clone Wars? I think, again... The architecture, I, I like. I like the idea that you know it's the attachment. I mean, you, you're trying to think how how could you like just be completely detached from your mum, like having to leave your mum and then finding out she's in danger and then dies in your arms. What you're just supposed to would Mace Window just whistle off into the distance? I, I don't think so. So, but you you can see he's he's wrestling with it you know and he'll say to padme a few times you know i'm supposed to be this i'm supposed to do this and he's constantly fighting with himself over that and i think i i can embrace that and and like the idea of it and like i say i think watching the clone wars that as you said i I like the analogy it fills in the cracks in the vase you know the cgi vase um but oh my god the the (laughs) I'm glad Hayden Christensen is is getting love now and everything, but you go back and watch this and you think he he really was a terrible actor. <laughs> he needs to, he needs awful. a lot of direction. I think in Red yeah. the Sith he's a lot better, but in this film there is I think a lot it, that he to work. Yeah, some of the just it's like when he does say to Padman about it's it's just it's just busy slaughtering the entire just going yeah. there. Not and, just the men. <laughs> the women, the women the and the children. <laughs> she she turns around and says, "She says it's okay to be angry. That is to be human." And she seems fine with it. Which it's like he's just told you what he's done, and, he, and you're all right with him. You're giving him an excuse, but at the same point, to kind of 
counteract that. The, the Jedi are kind of told, well, you shouldn't feel anything. But, you know, as you know, us now, we realise that it's good that people talk about the feelings and talk about stuff. And the, this is where the Jedi went wrong, that they kind of said, no, just shut it off. Just ignore it. Bury it deep underground, you know, and we don't have to deal with it. No wonder he turns to the dark side. And that, because he's got all, you know, his mum's just died. You know, he got taken away. He's losing all these things. And that is bound to push him over. And that, I mean, you know, Padman does try to kind of help him there. I mean, I do feel it's a bit like, you know, oh, it's all right, you just slaughtered off and people don't worry about it. It's fine. Come on, let's have kids in a cuddle. Uh, <laughs> what, what, is, what I love, though, is flash back to the, to the Jedi Council, you know, who spend most of the movie just sat there chatting. And Yoda's like, hmm, in great pain, Skywalker is. Mace Windu's like, yeah, should we grab a coffee? You know, we'll just not do anything about it at all or address it in any way. Should we have a chat to him about it? Nah, it's all right. Be fine, Skywalker will. So they just never talk about it, but there's no need for that flashback. It's just that's ridiculous. The thing. Maybe if they had sat down and just talked to him about stuff and just tried to explain him and give him some kind of counselling, maybe he some wouldn't Jedi have turned. Counseling. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite jarring uh, but it, it, yeah. Th- that's where their problems are it, it's like you know like what the you know 1960s man used to be you know you catch your emotion and that you know you've just got to be this person who goes to work and does stuff and just you know comes home and uh, you don't show any form of emotion and that whereas if they have kind of addressed that Things probably wouldn't have gone tits up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's basically what the, the Mormons, aren't they? If you've watched Book of Mormon, yeah, you know they need to turn it off <laughs> like a light switch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the High Republic is exploring that idea of what they were like when they used to talk about the dark side, and they used to have basically counseling as a person who does use the dark side, and they're a Jedi, and then they basically go to this nice planet with like waves, and they do this like training and breathing exercises, learning that the Force is like the ocean, all kinds of cool stuff, and then horrible stuff happens like disasters occur and then the jedi have to start these codes of like these emergency things like no jedi going out by yourself always with two no doing this no doing that and you start to see the dogmatic side bleeding in uh from that and them becoming more dogmatic and, and shielded but again in this film there's ample time and capacity to really hone in on this whole like how many films have we seen where you have a religious organization or a cult or an overbearing family and they repress a child or a person and they do it without showing overt violent or sexual abuse they do it verbally they do a lot of gaslighting that kind of thing that is shown multiple times before this film came out and since so all they would need really is to angle that more and be like, right, Obi-Wan's trying his best, but there's a system that's clearly failing and he's turning a blind eye to it. Mace Windu's fully in it. Yoda's basically too old to really change things enough and Mace Windu's kind of almost dragging the council and Yoda's kind of unable to stop him. And Anakin's caught in the middle of this storm of this dogmatic power struggle between the Republic and the Jedi, which is actually causing the fall of the Jedi. If you just tweak the perspective a little bit and put that perspective in with the kind of 
hone in on the gaslighting, hone in on these conversations where have it Anakin asking them for help and saying, I'm getting all these feelings and emotions, I can't control them, and them shutting him down. They do it a smidge in Revenge of the Sith, where he goes to Yoda and says, I'm worried about losing someone. And Yoda goes, you just have to learn to let go. And it's like, thanks. You know how you cure your depression? Don't be sad. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But Yoda's a 900-year-old person who's been in the Jedi for like 800 years or something mad. You know, so it's like... If they honed in on that perspective, again, you could have such a deep, interesting movie with so much social commentary on not only religion and politics, but also the constricting nature of certain religious and just generally restrictive organizations. You could have all this in there in the film with all the big parts of this film being the same. You could have like a borderline abusive relationship forming between Anakin and Padme and that start and that could be the catalyst and that could show Vader in a certain way. There's lots of different things. I don't want to see Padme abused because Padme is one of the coolest characters in the prequels in the Clone Wars. You get a bit of it in, in Phantom Menace. You get a bit of it in Attack of the Clones when she's basically never with Anakin. At the end when she's like in the Geonosis thing, she's kicking ass, taking names. As soon as she's away from Anakin, she's in an actual war. She does better than any of them. She's like more professional than Anakin. And these in Revenge of the Sith, it's like, uh, she's pregnant. That's her personality. She is pregnant. <laughs> it's like, okay, thank you. So there, there are these, again, these faults and these flaws. Um, but I want to hone in a little bit on, um, we'll speak a little bit about Padme and then the end, and then Maf's got a fun little quiz for us, um, which is going to prove how little I actually know about Star Wars, and I'm just a fraud. Um, Don't build it up too much. <laughs> but let's do Padme and the end. So Padme, obviously, throughout this film, it's up and down because her interaction with Anakin, you know, she wears this, like, quite tight-fitting, almost corset thing to buy the next of a fire next to this 19-year-old monk virgin who's clearly super into her after kissing and being like, no, we can't do anything. It's like, look at my cleavage. No, we can't do anything. It's like, okay, you know... But again, I blame George Lucas for that, not as, you know, the character itself or necessarily Natalie Portman. But then you get this other side to her that's a lot more Princess Leia-esque. You get the blast out in one hand, firing. She is so on it in Geonosis. And that's where I really think this whole film elevates. Granted, if you have to wait to the last hour of a film for it to be good when it's two and a half hours, it's probably not the best film. You know, you need to have decent pacing. And although I like the the Obi-Wan detective Kenobi kind of style stuff, I enjoy it. But it's a lot of him wandering around and not really doing much with not really many solutions. And then it's just this big open-ended question of, oh, this kind of bad bounty hunter that Mace Windu killed. He's the clone army. Oh, he is. Yeah, we didn't know about this weird thing. Oh, and this master Cypher Diaz who died and never gets mentioned again, or, like, until the Clone Wars. You know, it's all these things. And you're like, sorry, what is happening? Why is no one questioning this? What? And they're like, watch the next film to find out. And then you get to the next film three years later and they're like, we've not questioned anything. And then Order 66 happens. And you've got, again, the Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff is cool, but you could have done it better. So let's focus on my favourite parts, the Geonosis and, and Padme. So, Dave, you again. What do you think of Padme uh, throughout the film? And then bleeding from that, kind of some of your thoughts towards the uh, the final act, as it were. So Padme, I think, has a lot of potential to be a really kick-ass character. But I think Natalie Portman has zero chemistry at all with Hayden Christensen. So I'm not buying any of the love scenes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing on Genosis, so, so what I'd say about this as well, right, it's, it's quite a long movie, but I think this would almost fit into a 10-episode ten, ten season or something. Because when, when you used to watch old like Star Trek and stuff like that, they'd have you know, uh, an episode and there was a theme around it. 
and then you know the you'd have a, a little arc and you could watch that episode in isolation but there was something that links it to what came before and and what's to come and i think stuff like the the coliseum bit you know just had that almost star trek feel like you just for this episode you know you're you're here in this you know roman sort of style world or something like that and i think it was good to see padme take names i just wish they didn't like you know the the fucking cat thing gives her a swipe yeah. and just manages to expose her belly and she's like ooh that makes me look really sexy uh nice uh, let's carry on fighting you know so i just think again that jar jars with me to be honest because she's so kind of kick-ass but then just so sexualized mm. and it, it just it, it doesn't fit it's unnecessary it, it feels like he doesn't want a woman to kind of take center stage he wants to show her enough so that some of the young girls will be like oh that's nice but you then, know what it you know what it feels like back of it well what are those, those fucking magazines that you get like guns and ammo or something like that, where you get like a really sexy woman holding a massive fucking gun or something. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's someone who's dressed up in a kick-ass way, but, but the end goal is that they're a sexualized object. Yeah. Mm. So that, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Really. I think he was trying to be with like layer in the gold bikini. Obviously Carrie Fisher, obviously sexualized there. Did it work in the plot? Yeah, was it necessary? Probably not. Um, but then she kills. But Jana. legendary, <laughs> just to be a complete hypocrite. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I know. But this is what I'm saying is like with that is like she kills Jabba, which is a badass move. But then she could have been wearing more clothing, and the whole the effect would have been the same. The slave girl would have been the same. Like the, there's other slave women who aren't as scantily clad as she is. So it's like okay, um, like I don't know. I'm probably that's- stepping on a lot of you know. Uh, but that's been an issue though because yeah. it's like i mean i play D and that you know that's an issue there that's you know that's been for many years so it's like you know the the, the noble paladin knight full plate armor you know it looks like a, a giant tank coming towards you and then the female version has got this kind of little bikini just you know i mean it's not gonna it's to kind of you know sexualize them so that you know young lads are gonna look at that and think i'm gonna go watch that Hmm. What about the story? Don't care. You can see some boobs. I, th- I think the the difference for me though, say say the gold bikini, and that quite frankly has gifted us, you know, many cosplay, uh, many cosplay uh, reenactments and stuff. You can get though. Someone's dressed up as this sexualized slave, you know, a sex slave, if you if you like. But there's something about the fact that she's in a combat situation and gets swiped at. And then it just conveniently, in a very stylish way, takes away and exposes a midriff. Yeah. It's almost parody. Yeah. You know what I mean? That That's the difference between just purely, you know, someone having something that's scantily clad hmm. and having this weird, you know, For plot, shot well, in a million. Like in the Padme thing, like she's in this white stuff and she gets mm-hmm. the scratch on her back, which makes sense. Granted, yeah. with those wounds, she'd be bleeding a lot more, but whatever. She gets the big scratch on her back. You go, okay. And then as you say, I, when I watched that the last time I watched the film, even Megan and I we were like, how? Like you watch the scene. It's the way the Nexu scratches her on her back could not have ripped the front off and if it did it'd have been like this weird flappy rag thing it would have been one clean perfectly circle cut all the way around and you watch it like this it doesn't actually not only does it not make sense in the plot 
and it doesn't serve the story at all. You know, I think Leia, although it is obviously sexualizing her, it is meant to be she's in this vulnerable situation by this vile, disgusting gangster, but she still takes control of the situation and gets out. Whereas with Padme, it was like, she's being badass in this outfit, but she needs to wear less for this scene. And there's no story reason why. So let's have her outfit scratched off. And it's like, but th- and her sc- the scratch on her back, that didn't stop her at all. She screams out like, ah, across her spine, might I add, big wounds, you know. And then she's just like, oh, I'm all right. And then it's never mentioned again. Like she a paper rolls- cut, really? Well, when she gets <laughs> falls off that ship and rolls down the sand dune, I was thinking, that's going to get infected. Does it get mentioned? No. Is she okay? It just gets up again and is fine. I'm like, what? So what was the point in the scratch? And that's the issue. And it's like, it's to add a little bit of dramatic tension. But we also know that she must be the parents of Luke and uh, the mum of yeah, Luke and yeah. So she can't die. So you remove the dramatic tension. You remove that it didn't add anything to the plot because the wounds never got mentioned again. So what's left? Having Natalie Portman not wear many clothes. And it's like, and that is unfortunately a, a part which is like ah even when every time i watch it now that's a bit that i'm like ah this is and it's mm. a shame because that that bit where anakin and obi-wan's having that kind of bit of conflict between each other and he's like you know well padman seems to be doing all right and she's she's it it's a bit like just showing good like the fact that there's a situation going on i need to react i need to do what's right you know from a people or whatever it is and she reacts and she just and she goes about things. And it, it shows her in a good light, but then it, it is that thing of but let's also just, you know, show her off a little bit more as well. Just just in case people don't like that, we'll show a bit of flesh. Mm. And that and it's a shame it could have been done. I think again, it's twenty years old this film, or so just over twenty years old. You know, we've come along a long I don't if you were to remake that now them scenes wouldn't have played out quite the same, I don't yeah. think. I think about Ray, she's not sexualized at yeah, all. Exactly. You know, she she's just a badass. You know, and she you know, we don't have to kind of fluff her up or anything like that. She's just a badass and you love her for being that person, you know, not because she's showing off a bit more skin than, you know, the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it is an interesting and unfortunate choice in that. But um, let's let's talk before we get onto the questions. Let's talk about so the the, the geonosis and the oh, finale. Can, can I just ask? Oh no, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Right, they, they keep trying to assassinate Padme. Yeah. Um, and they they hire the assassin. Um, they send the the robot drone. It scans and then it puts a hole in the the window and sends them two little bug things through mm-hmm. to kill her. Why not just shoot her then? Why not laser her or That's something one of like the that? Biggest plot you know, holes in it, Star Wars where it was Palpatine wanted um Padme murdered, but also Nuke Gunray did, so he kind of got frame that kind of. So he got Django Fett, he hired Dooku to do it, who hired Django Fett to do it, who hired Zam Wessel to do it, who got a droid to do it, who sent these bug things that the name always escapes me to do it. And exactly as you say, she Django Fett managed to shoot a poison dart onto Zam Wessel's neck from like two buildings up when she was about to say his name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a sleeping woman like they managed to have a whole droid fly up there. That could have been a bomb which is possible, as we've seen in this, the Cologne Wars, that could have literally had a blaster. It could have shot anything. It could have done. It could have released 20 worm things. They mm. weren't trying to assassinate her and make it subtle because they literally blew up her ship at the start of the movie. So subtlety's gone. 
So why not go full guns blazing? Why not crash a speeder into her room? There is some real Austin Powers slash James Bond convoluted attempted kills in this, aren't there? So like like you say, the, the thing where Django hires this other bounty hunter, the shape-shifting bounty hunter, it, it just boggles my mind. But but early on when Obi-Wan is holding on to the droid thing, you know, and he's sort of flying along there and he shoots the droid so Obi-Wan drops down. I'm like, well, just fucking shoot Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you shooting the, the droid so he falls to his Why death? are you having the droid to come back Shoot, shoot him anyway. in the face. <laughs> have, the, have the droid just go into the side of a building or something like yeah. that. You know, it's don't bizarre. get the droid to come back to where you are to kind of expose yourself. Yeah, so that that's a very big plot hole. So, you know, that's there are many plot holes in this film. Again, it's it's one of this and Phantom Menace. I'd argue again are probably the two worst made Star Wars films. But I think they have two of the highest peaks. Which personally, Rise of Skywalker doesn't reach for me in that regard. But I love the Genosis battle. Um, I think, as you said, yeah, with Padme getting herself out of the situation, Padme is resourceful. That's her like number one attribute. You know, she's kind and she's resourceful. She's very switched on. Any situation she's in, she manages to get herself out of. Um, prior to childbirth, and in the Clone Wars, again, you get this whole side of her, which you get to see really more of the political intrigue, and both her in the Senate and her also out of the Senate being cool, like she is at the end of this film. And then you get Obi Wan Anakin because she, cause Padme, can't rely on force powers to get her out of the situation. She has to be, she has to do it, not rely on jumping ridiculously high and force pushing and stuff. And I love seeing them all handle the creatures in different ways. She's resourceful. You know, Obi-Wan, he very, basically immediately, he dodges because he's a very defensive fighter. The, um, uh, oh no, the Acklay, the giant praying mantis thing, stabs the thing, he gets free. First thing he does, he's like, right, I need that thing to stab down and free myself. And he step by step gets himself out of the situation and systematically takes out the Acklay. He gets his lightsaber, cuts legs off, done. What Anakin does is the reek, the rhino thing, runs, he jumps, and with brute force and dodging, he basically is then riding the reek, he's very instinctual. And it shows how the three of them deal with different situations. And again, this for me shows that's a really clever thing to do from a storytelling perspective. It really clearly shows how each of the characters are, in their own way, how they approach different situations. But it's only really a moment, and you don't get this honed-in, detail-orientated, or really that intensely detailed part of how these characters really are you just get this you get this snapshot thing that's quite cool and unless you really look at it in an analytical way you don't get the depth of it and it's again with george lucas like you could have really put more into this in certain ways or hyper focused on it and you spent more time doing this other thing instead of this but then the jedi come in and this is i think the most jedi we get on screen at all when the Jedi come down and Yoda's there and it's all... And I love that stuff. I love there being loads of Jedi. That's that's one of the things I love about the prequels. But in The Phantom Menace, it's like, there's loads of Jedi. Do you get to see them fight? No. You get Darth Maul, you get two Jedi at once against one Sith, but that's that that's what you get. Whereas in this film, it's like, let's see loads of Jedi fighting CGI stuff, granted, but loads of them doing all these things. And I really enjoyed that bit. So, Math, as you have the background showing that very scene, how did you feel watching this scene this time round? Like, as a whole, the Geonosis kind of Colosseum-y stuff? I, I, I did enjoy it. I, you know, the bit where it's like, you've outnumbered. No, we're not. And that, and then... But again, it's typical bad guy thing. You've got them all surrounded, and it's like, let's stop shooting. 
let's kind of, you know, just kill them. Just kill them all because you've got them in. They're in a kill box, basically. Just blast the shit out of them all. Fair enough, Yoda comes in and saves the day with, you know, the, the, the clone troopers. But before that, they, they could have wiped him out then. And it, it, it's... That's the frustrating part of... Realistically, that's what would have happened. But obviously, it's a film. You can't do that because, you know, how do you explain the rest of the film? But it it is cool to see them on screen, seeing them all fighting. It's what you were just saying there. It's like Anakin, the brute force against the rhino type thing. Whereas Obi-Wan's... He's got to be a bit more strategic on how he deals with his. And that it's like the spirit animal that they're having to fight against. That's a clever way of putting it. It, it and you know, Padman being cunning because she she has to she's not as big as strong as the rest of them, so she has to be cunning in how she deals with things. Mm. Um I still not quite sure why Anakin got on the back of the um the the kind of the reap. Well, yeah. And no no, he gets on the back of the car at first. Oh yeah, the court the carriage thing with Geonosis. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I better say Pad but you're not doing anything. She she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her to it. She's doing all right. You, you don't need to be there. Um but seeing it all on screen, seeing the big battle, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then um we go to the kind of confront Count Dooku. We'll, we'll pause oh, sorry. there. We'll pause there because that will be the next thing Devon to Dave. So you with the Geonosis Coliseum, any thoughts? I think I prefer it when the Jedi turn up more so than the. Uh, the there's something about it. I, I hear your perspective on saying the different styles and how they handle the different creatures, but it kind of. I'm trying to think of the best way to. I describe it but, That's but how I the, feel yeah I but it. the rancor is one thing mm-hmm. and you've got luke as one thing so so in terms of action you can film you know the different from your different camera shots but it's almost as if right we're we're fighting on or we're focusing in on uh obi-wan now and we'll see we're, we're just nothing else exists in in your peripheral vision or, or anything you just focused on that in isolation and then let's go and look at Anakin in isolation and then let's have a look at Padme in isolation and you would think mm. it, it should be this big chaotic mess you know and not not this pairing off of creature against you know one, one of our protagonists it so again it's a crossover and dealt yeah, with each it just, mm. it just strikes me as odd you know, and, and it's so uh, focused on on those different battles, and and I, I hear what you're saying about you know the storytelling, you know, show don't tell, which is weird because most of this movie is tell. Yeah, <laughs> in terms it of dialogue, a lot, a lot yeah. of it. <laughs> but yeah, I like it when the Jedi show up. Of course, we've got to mention, haven't we, about the purple lightsaber? Mm. You know, legend has it. You know, Samuel L. Jackson wanted to be able to pick himself out. And so Lucas said, you know, he'd, he'd think about it, but it was only when they came back for reshoots that they, they, you know, he saw that he did have a purple lightsaber. Apparently on the bottom had inscribed bad motherfucker as well, which <laughs> I, I appreciated from the Pulp Fiction reference. But yeah, so I, th- I, I do think that that is good. It is a bit of nonsense, isn't it? I mean, there were several times, uh, you know, not just 
shoot them all, not just menacingly march a little bit closer to them each time and then till Yoda comes and asks them to form a perimeter. I mean, let's face it, Count Dooku could have just put a lightsaber straight through Obi-Wan when he was uh, sort of in manacles uh, earlier on, couldn't he? So that was good. I have to say with the... Uh, did, did you want to get onto the the fight scenes with Count Dooku? Yeah, or? I'll go to you and then Maf can chime in yeah. whenever, yeah. Honestly, feel like the worst worst lightsaber scenes in, in the whole Star Wars, any trilogy. I, I just feel like the the... It didn't really work for me. I mean, Christopher Lee is obviously an older chap. You know, he's not going to be able to do what Ray Park did in the previous movie, but I just don't feel like it worked. And then it was such an obvious switch when you've got the stunt double and spring, you know, jumping bean Yoda. I, I just, I don't think I needed to see jumping bean Yoda. <laughs> I, I don't think it worked for me. And let's face it, everyone has the high ground on over Yoda, don't they? So I, I just I still don't particularly like that, if I'm honest. I think the fighting style for, for, for Count Dooku, if they'd have had him more as a fencer, so him parrying, not having to move as much because mm. he's older, it would have. It's it's like when Yoda started flipping around and that you know this eight hundred year nine hundred year old. It it's just you kind of think it's cool in one sense, but he's just walked onto screen with a walking stick, yeah. looking like he's got like a bad know, back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, looking like what I do first thing in the morning, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's flipping around now. I've heard the argument. That's the got a claim on disability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 people. I've heard people say that's the force that allows him to be able to do that. Fine, okay, but it would have been better if it had been a bit more of a kind of a fencing kind of trading blows to a certain degree. It's, it doesn't have to be this big almighty fight. More like the, the almost uh, a new hope. Yeah, yeah, a, a bit. Yeah, because. The fact it is just, you know, two people just going at each other with a sword, it, well, with lightsabers, I think it would have been better. It doesn't have to be all these flips. I mean, Anakin is well known for his spin that he does with his, you know, and they want to bring that in there. But not all fights have to be that way. You know, all it takes is a really skilled, uh, like a fencer. Once you start spinning, he just jabs and you're gone for and I, I think it, it could have been choreographed a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Obi-Wan's meant to be this great defensive, and he's taken out very quickly, very easily. 100%. <laughs> Both times, yeah, in this like, film oh, and the next uh, film. Yeah. Just, oh, Sith Lords are our speciality, he says in Revenge of the Sith. And in on screen, you watched him get beat by more and win on a technicality, and then lose against... Uh, Count Dooku, and then lose against Count Dooku again. Yeah, not not learning that point is he? No, normally that that's the thing I've said before about everyone. He seems to learn and then adapt from it, and in this he doesn't. No. And that and he's just, oh, I'll just lay on the floor. I'll just <laughs> just I'll keep my head down. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's, that's the different lightsaber styles of the original trilogy and the prequels are very 
apparent. And while I grew up with the prequels, I was just like, these are all lightsaber battles. So I think that's part of it. Because like the sequel trilogy, I think they do it a lot more even. And I'd say the Rey and Kylo lightsaber exchange in Force Awakens, and with Finn's bit in the start of it as well, that's some of my favourite lightsaber dueling in the whole of Star Wars. I think that's phenomenal. I love the Balin skull and um, Ahsoka duel. Mm. The fact that Balin is brute strength. Mm-hmm. He isn't fancy. He would just like, I'll hammer you down, I'll hammer you down, I'll hammer you. I like that. I really enjoy it because there were two different fighting styles. Um, we do see in the end of Rebels mm-hmm. uh, with Maul and Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan changes his stance. Mm-hmm. And that, there just seems to, in this, it just seems to, let's flip flip the lightsabers around as much as we can and it, it looks better but it it doesn't have to look better like that it could look better if it's just more of a skill kind of trading of blows mm. the choreography of the of phantom menace is so good with maul and then the choreography in revenge of the sith for me i think is fantastic if a bit over over the top at times and a bit you know there are parts of the obi-wan anakin fight which are unrealistic and they could have had jabs at each other but for probably 80% of it, I think it's really cool. And, you know, they had to work really hard to do that stuff. But it is in this film, it is a bit like, you know, Count Dooku just easily beats Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it's like, you know, Anakin just runs at him and he gets wiped out. And then Obi-Wan gets beaten. And then Anakin comes back. And then, yeah, Yoda's doing these giant, massive flips. And the problem is the Yoda fight is... One of the best things about something like John Wick or The Raid is when you see this choreography and you see two really professional fighters, um, martial artists or stuntmen, doing something without many cuts. And you get to see... And that's why Revenge of the Sith works so well. When you watch Anakin, and even in, with Darth Maul and Obi-Wan, when Obi-Wan runs through that thing angrily at Darth Maul and he swipes him and it's up, down, up, down, up, down. That's filmed in real time. They're literally, there's no cut there. That That's literally happening. And you're so immersed in it. With Yoda, what it is, is it's either Christopher Lee or a stunt double essentially waving their lightsaber around and then someone post has CGI'd in Yoda to yeah. wherever the lightsaber is. And yeah. it's like, as a child, you watch it, you go, this is really cool. Yoda's doing crazy stuff. But again, when you look at it with a more critical eye, it's like, this is just this isn't very well choreographed because it's not really been thought out. It's almost like with comic writers when they say oh yeah, just have two pages where this is how the fight starts and this is how the fight ends. Just do something in the middle. And in comics, that's fine. A lot of artists do incredible jobs there. But when you have it as the, the finale of a film and a character like Yoda, and you're like, why Why did you do this craziness? Why didn't you keep him to be slow and steady, but like perfectly defensive? Like everything um, Kandu throws him, Yoda just deflects with ease, but is trying mm. to talk him out. It's like, you are my apprentice. They mentioned that. Did they dig deeper into it? No, they're like, you're my apprentice. Yeah, but I'm stronger than you now okay let's fight and you know what would have been so interesting which we get a bit more of in the animated stuff is yoda and dooku having this real like thing of yoda trying to bring him back almost doing what luke was trying to do to vader in return of the jedi but failing and then that adds to yoda's exile that you know from revenge of the sith he could have said i couldn't bring back dooku i couldn't be balpatine you know but again it's just not delved into there's a breadcrumb of it and then you're like, oh, let's just have Yoda zoom around fighting him. And I think that even visually what you could have done and what I would have done, I'd have had Yoda, you know, stand there and kind of almost do almost an anime style power up almost where he just focuses and he kind of crosses his legs and like levitates a little bit and then kind of opens his eyes and he's a bit more like, like Ray does in The Force Awakens. Like that thing of him kind of channeling and trying to be calm and then being like one with the force almost and that's how he can move around quickly mm. something like that but you don't get that you go i'm gonna put my walking stick down and kick your ass and he doesn't he you know he kind he does beat dooku to a degree and then dooku runs away and 
that's that and it again i love it i really enjoy it but it's that kind of the two minds it's like here's my star wars watching brain which i love and then here's watching this film as an actual just film not a star wars film just a sci-fi film sequel and that's where things start to fall apart the law doesn't the law is amazing and interesting because all the content that came out of the law but a lot of it is like a non-starter you like you've got it's like, it's like Loki with the branching timelines. You've got this one main story, and then you've got about fifty things coming off of it that mm. don't go anywhere, that doesn't get mentioned again, even in Revenge of the Sith. And then that's where Clone Wars kind of flourishes. It's almost like Clone Wars is worked so well because it's like a fungus growing in the plot holes of the prequels, and there's so much fertile soil for it that the Clone Wars is so amazing. She's like. The prequels make sense, finally. Yeah, it only took seven seasons of an animated show with like 20-odd episodes every season and three or four episodes explaining specific parts of it, <laughs> which is Which, one of the things. Well, this is something to look forward to. I mean, it, you see, Anakin being quite headstrong and charging into Dooku, I can see that because he's young, he's still learning. That makes sense. But yeah, it, I just think... It's like they just wanted to show up a bit of pizzazz and that we've just had it all in the arena. We'll show a bit more with these more skillful, you know, fighters. But again, you're just showing it off a bit more of a flashy lights and then Duke is going to run away. Mm. Yeah. I think that'd have been okay if like Mace window 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 would have uh squared up with dooku or something i i don't need yoda to i know he, it gets mentioned you know the anakin if he keeps up his sword play he could match master yoda but i think i'm i'm okay with yoda just being really really powerful with the force you know and showing it in that way and maybe it's through the meditation or you know lifting things or or whatever but the absolute badassery, I mean, let's face it, I was taking the piss out of Mace Windu before, but when he drops into the Coliseum, I mean, what a badass, you know, and that, that's Samuel L. Jackson's best moment in Star Wars, isn't it? I think that that bit. But yeah, if he'd have gone up against Dooku, I think that'd have been a better thing. And I, I just think uh, the, the Yoda flipping stuff, I, I just think it, it's comical when I look at it now. Yeah, yeah, it, it is... It is annoying, and yeah, I think Mace Windu would have been better, a better choice there. Um, mm. and you could have even had Mace Windu, you know, cut off his arm or something, and then Dooku's got like a, a fake arm for the next one. Like all these little parallels you could have done and would have been cool would show Mace Windu to be this like almost unstoppable force, mm-hmm. but he's also the one who's holding the Jedi back in a lot of ways. Or with, with Yoda, one thing he could have done is in the uh, High Republic comics, the miniseries called The Blade, anyone who has the uh, Marvel Unlimited, I'd recommend reading it. You don't have to have read any Star Wars content ever before, just this one Blade miniseries. It's just a few hundred years before the Skywalker Saga. And there's this ridiculously powerful uh, lightsaber uh, duelist. And he does this ability that's quite rare and hard to do, where he can fight someone without even touching his lightsaber. Where so he'll be dueling with you, and then he'll jump behind you, and then the lightsaber will still be fighting you, and he pulls out a second lightsaber. And he does this against a Jedi Master at one point, and the Jedi Master's like, oh, I've always wanted to train against you, you know? I was top of my class, and then um, the Blade, who's called Porter Engel, is like, oh, I wasn't top of my class, you know, I've just kind of learned a bit. And then he just wipes the floor with anyone. And if Yoda had, take, had done that, and fought a bit with Dooku, and then jumped back, and then the lightsaber by itself was doing stuff, while mm. he was, like, trying to tend to Obi-Wan or Anakin... That have again been more of a right. Yoda's more concerned about being defensive, while look how fucking powerful he is. He's doing a lightsaber thing by itself. How nuts is that? Maybe the technology wasn't there. Maybe the idea wasn't. But that is again another way you could have shown Yoda's feat of strength without him being, you know, 
a jumpy jumping yeah. bean. Um, I think so, that would have worked better if, if he'd have been like hand at the back, kind of, you yeah. know, I'm going to move the lightsaber from here whilst I'm dealing with yeah. Obi-Wan. And, and then Dooku gets through it at one point and then you'd use the force to like hold him back or something mm. while like it's something almost full, like something is about to kill Obi-Wan. Which and, would then be like where kind of goes, shit, I, I can't win this fight. Let's, let's retreat. Yeah, Yoda like lifts him up and like throws him aside, uh, mm. and then as the, this thing falls on Obi Wan, and that's when he does that thing where he has to stop, and that's how Dooku escapes. Like the same beats can be hit; it's just no one raids George Lucas back enough, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so I know Matthew got some questions, but is there uh, anything else um, that Dave you wanted to mention about Attack of the Clones? I know we'll do a mini wrap up at the end, but um, anything you want to mention about Clone Wars we haven't yet before we delve into the questions? Uh. I, I think the the early tone I mentioned Blade Runner mm. at the top. Um, w- what I found interesting is, you know, it's, it's almost like a Batman comic at the start. It, it goes into Obi Wan, the world's greatest detective, kind of thing, and I, I thought that was that was interesting. If if again, it sort of just didn't quite feel like Star Wars, mm. but he's sort of the detective, but he's a bit rubbish as well, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, Dooku literally tells him. There's a, you know, the, the Republic's under the power of a great Sith Lord. He tells him right there, Palpatine has just got emergency powers to, to overrule the Republic. You say, okay, in this film, Obi-Wan might not know, but he should do by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith, you know? I, 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 yeah, terrible detective. But um, no, like I say, again, it sounds like I'm moaning. I do enjoy the movie. I think it could have had so much cut out of it. A good 40 minutes could come out of this, and I think you'd have a really tight movie. Um, and, and not just like cutting out the love scenes, because even though I don't think they've got any chemistry, you kind of need to have at least some of that stuff in there. Um, but there's a lot of like game demo type things in here as well. So, yeah, no, it's, it, it was good. It was good fun. Can't wait to get on to Revenge of the Sith. Well, I don't know what, when we're going to do that because I know obviously we've got the Clone Wars next, and then are we going to watch all of the Clone Wars and then save Revenge of the Sith for after the Clone Wars? Oh, that is a. I, I was that. assuming we'd do Revenge of the Sith, even even though like, are we going chronologically? Is that is that the? I don't know. I know the next we were planning on doing is uh, the Clone Wars, but we can yeah. do Revenge of the Sith as well. Uh, like it's not. And Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Styles film. That and Return of the Jedi yeah. are my two favorites. So, like, I could again. That's that's one of my favorite films ever. I'd say um, it's not one of the best films ever made. Don't get me wrong, but I adore that film. But it depends because if we want to watch the prequels and then the Clone Wars movie, or if we how wanna... much watching the the Clone Wars, the movie and the series, will that affect? I, I mean, I've seen Revenge of the Sith several times, but how much will that elevate watching it again? Yes. Uh, season seven all i will say about it is that there are elements and things that run at the same time as the events of revenge of the sith right well because i mean it it depends how far you guys want to kind of go with this but you know if, if you want to do everything in chronological order we could do clone wars then revenge of the sith I don't know where Solo fits. Is that after Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, Solo's about so, uh, Solo's about six. The start of Solo is about six years after uh, Revenge of the Sith, and then there's the three year gap in the film, and then the rest of it's. Which then we've also then got. We'd have. There's Rogue One, the Rogue original trilogy, One, and the sequels. Yeah. 
There are a lot. It depends whether you want to sit for watch them all. Well, I mean, yeah. I didn't know if, if next year we could do uh, so Clone Wars movie, for, like next Clone Wars movie, then we could do all of the Clone Wars for uh, the next year. Uh, and then the following year, so 2025, if you're not sick of me by then, <laughs> we could then do a combination of there's Tales of the Jedi, there's three seasons of The Bad Batch will be out by then, and then there's also the other films. So we could just do an episode. If you thought of the Tales of the Jedi as one, and which me mm-hmm. and Dave did a while ago, uh, and then The Bad Batch, the three seasons of that makes four, and then you've got essentially seven films. Uh, no. When does eight. The Bad Batch fit in? Is that after, that's after that's Clone directly Wars, after Clone Wars? Yeah. Bad so Batch is essentially there, seasons almost eight, nine, ten of Clone of Clone right. Wars, in a way. Um, but we're not there yet. We will watch Clone Wars movie next, then we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll see <laughs> see what we fancy. But that could do us for Clone Wars watching for years until there's another animated series out. But Math, you have some questions. You have a little quiz. If, uh, if, if you fancy doing it, yep, I'm more than happy. I mean, we can do a thing where you can just ask the question and then. You know, we'll, we'll see how me and Dave get on. Maybe put our hands up or something. I don't know. But there's going to be certain questions that you know, Dave might podcast. get immediately and I might not. <laughs> or ones that, you know... We'll I think bit. all the listeners at home know who's going to win this one. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you just go first and anyone you don't get. It, I it's amusing because you've actually mentioned some of the answers already. So it's like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> I do I, This film, I do know more than most uh, films. But go ahead, ask the questions. We'll let Dave... Right. See if uh, Dave can answer it and then see if, if not, I can. Um, Obi-Wan and Anakin are in the elevator going up. What nest did Obi-Wan say that he fell into before Anakin came to save him? No Gundark. idea. Gundarks. Uh, yeah, Mike got that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a nice easy one. How long has it been since Anakin had last seen Padme? Ten years? Yep. Oof, blimey. All right, this, uh, this has been mentioned as well. What's the name of the assassin? Can you remember, Dave? Oh, I, I can't. But I know you mentioned him before. Her, him or her? Her, her? Zam Wessel. She is a Claudite, which is a yep. shape-shifting species. Bonus point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what race is Dexter Dexter? Do you know this, Dave? Nope. It's a Besselisk. Yeah, he's great. He's hundreds of he's hundreds of years old. He's great. I, I love Dexter's calf. He's he's I, such a cool character. He's in the High Republic. I love it, him. It's one of those things when he kind of came on to. It, they seem like there's a lot of chemistry, obviously, between them both, and that's like, where's that from? Yeah, the, it, chem, the chemistry between them is more than the chemistry between Anakin and Padme. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's like now, I don't know if that's going to be in Clone Wars. If there's something there, but no, it, it, Dexter's it, not in. Any he, until recently he wasn't any other styles content. He was in a smidge of legends. He's in the book uh, Padawan, uh, which is there actually. Uh, the book Padawan uh, by Kirsten White, and um, this is about Obi Wan as a Padawan. There you go. Um, he's in that. You get to see how they meet. And aside from that, he's mentioned in uh, one of the certain point of view books. Um, there's a I think Return of the Jedi. Um, there's a Je- Te- Dexter Jetster story there. Um, and aside from that, he's annoyingly he's yeah he's not in the Clone Wars off the top of my head. He's barely mentioned elsewhere, um, apart from the High Republic, which obviously is year, hundreds of years before. But he he was dated Mars Kanata for a while, actually. It, it's, you don't get extra points for all this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> who was the Jedi Master who ordered the Clone Army? Oh God! I'll just put Mike's name. There. No, I I'm glad he know it as well. 
Yeah, they say it in Tales of the Jedi and in um, the Clone Wars a bit. There's a Clone Wars arc about him, isn't there? Oh, God. Oh, it's going to piss me off because you're going to say it and I'm going to go, yeah, it was definitely them. No, go on. Queen? No, go on. Tell Sifo, me. Sifo Diaz. Sifo Diaz, yeah. <laughs> you're going to say Quinlan Voss. Yeah. Which, which, no, he's a great character, but no, he's in the Clone Wars. Uh, can I just oh. ask, actually, because... Mm, it wasn't clear to me exactly what had happened with the ordering of the army. So, yeah, it's. Do we just ex- kind of explain? Yeah, I, I was curious about that. It's a bit spurious because eventually we get a tiny bit of it in Attack of the Clones, a smidge of it in Tales of the Jedi, and then a bit of it in the Clone Wars, and a bit of it in the book um, Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott. Essentially, Sifo Diaz and Count Dooku were like best friends when they were young. Sifo mm-hmm. Diaz constantly had these visions of terrible stuff happening. He'd like have four seizures, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Jedi Order wouldn't listen to his visions or take anything seriously, even though they kept coming true and atrocities kept happening, uh, which is one of the reasons Dooku left the Order. Uh, and then then Dooku and Palpatine essentially orchestrate, like they they trick Cypher Deers into being like he kept having these visions of this extermination. The Jedi is going to come. We're mm-hmm. going to need. A, there's a war going to happen. We're going to need an army, and it kind of led him to kind of breadcrumbed him to do the Camino stuff with them basically manipulating him and mm-hmm. orchestrated his death to look like an accident mm-hmm. afterwards before he could really report any of what he'd, he'd kind of done, but he'd kind of gone against the Jedi Council's orders. So Dooku kind of planted the seed of the idea, along with his own force visions that Sifo Diaz mm-hmm. was happening. Sifo Diaz did actually order the clone army himself, and he was essentially, as far as we can tell, going to go back to the Jedi and go, look, this is what I've done. I've taken the step. And mm. in his transit back, he was killed to look like an accident. Right. He must have had a high limit on his credit card as well, because... <laughs> That that must have cost quite a bit. I, I wasn't sure where all the invoices were going for the uh, for the clone army. Well, I think it was. It was. I, I feel like this might be wrong. This bit. So this is the part of canon trivia that don't quote me on. Look at this up, friends. But I think because the count is the count of Sereno and he's absolutely minted. Um, he I think put some of the money towards it. I think he kind of right, helped fund right. it a bit because he's Dooku's who found Jango Fett. He's who he hired Jango Fett. He pay, he pays Jango Fett, so like he's directly linked in that regard. So I think along with him kind of paying Jango Fett and that kind of stuff, yeah, because he asked Jango, doesn't he, whether it was Cipher Diaz, and he says no, it was it was someone called Tyrannus, I think he says, yes. and Darth Tyrannus is the yeah. name of Dooku's Sith name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on the math. Uh, who's Anakin's stepbrother? That's Uncle Owen, isn't it? Yeah. Owen Lars. Um. What music is playing when Anakin goes to find his mum? Oh, oh what's what's the name of the song? Um, is it Binary Sunset? Nope. Uh, um, Come on, Dave. It's not Duel of the Fate, surely. It is. Is, is it? it? Oh, right. oh, wow. I thought well, I was going to say I didn't say that because I, like, I didn't think it was in that film. But I was wrong. Is that when he's on the it, speeder bike? He's on the speeder bike. It, it came on and I thought, Ooh, oh, I like this. Should have known, <laughs> known that. Disappointed in myself. Uh, Get in. You <laughs> said it was just confidence as well. <laughs> uh, which arm does Dooku cut off Anakin? You got a 50 50 chance. <laughs> I think it's the left, isn't it? Or certainly the one that gets pinned down earlier in the gaming sequence, I think is the left. But for Luke, it's the right. 
I'm going to go right, actually. I think, yeah, I, th- I was going to lean right because I think he's right-handed um, and stuff. But I think Mark Hamill's actually left-handed, which I think is part of the reason they did the switcheroo. Um, right. But, yeah, sorry. Um, what is the name of the handmaiden uh, of Padme who she says goodbye to before she goes off with Anakin? I have trivia about this, so I know this. Yeah. Well, pass. Uh, Dorme, uh, played by Rose Byrne. Um, she's one of the many handmaidens. In fact, I was literally doing an episode on it today for Styles Comics and Canon about Darth <laughs> Vader arc about the handmaidens. And there's Dorme, Sabe, Rabe, uh, Erte, um, and I can't remember the name of the one that dies at the start of the film. But yeah, she survives. I, I couldn't find the name for that. Yes. I was going to ask what she was called, but yeah, I can't remember. There's there's also like three other handmaidens that aren't in, that aren't ones I've just mentioned, but they all live until past empire strikes back and they interact with vader knowing he's anakin in the 2020 vader oh, wow. run. it's really interesting and he kind of sees in dorme the the one that roseburn plays um and sabe who sabe is kira knightley's character in uh, phantom menace he mm-hmm. sees in sabe more so like what padme could have been and tries to kind of bring her into the empire and he keeps having like flashbacks to him reaching for padme saying take my hand and she's like you're going down a path i can't follow and he's trying to replicate that with sabe trying to like get his padme back it's a it's really interesting it's a really really cool arc but yeah delves into the handmaidens and all that stuff and the uh, the queen's trilogy by ek johnston queen's peril queen's shadow and queen's hope that goes into the handmaidens and they interact with like shmi skywalker like Padme organized them to go to Tatooine and try and free the slaves. The thing that Anakin couldn't do and the Jedi couldn't do, Padme and her handmaidens try and organize the freeing of slaves on Tatooine and even interact with Beru Lars uh, as well. So there's this whole tapestry of cool stuff of the handmaidens. So <laughs> <laughs> the one that I noticed the one that died at the start, you know, she says, Sorry, your majesty, I failed you. Mm. And I'm thinking well, you didn't really. You sort of did a bang up job. That, that's pretty much your job is to take yeah. one for the team. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, where did Django Fett say to Obi Wan he was recruited from? Oh God, the planet itself. I've I've been. I was asked this in a trivia question for a pub years ago. Um. It's like a. It's not my Gito. It's like a, it's like an asteroid belt or the moon of something. It's not Kessel. Um, if you're listening to on the pod, you should see Mike's face here trying to work it out. It's like it's the brilliant. it's like the 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 belts <laughs> of Cynthia or something like that. I I can't remember. You look right there. Uh, no idea. Uh, the moon of Bogdan. Oh, bloody hell. Moon of Bogdan. Bogdan. Yeah. Uh, this might test you as well. What was the name of the boy Padme was talking about in a past to Anakin? Oh, God, that's a hard one. Yeah, the, who he gets jealous of. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I, I can't remember the name of the boy at all. Paolo. Paolo. Yeah. <laughs> At least Star Wars uh, name is Star Wars. Paolo, yeah. there's, a, there's got to be a friends link there, hasn't it? Wasn't that Paolo? Oh, um, who, uh, Rachel was going out with that Ross was getting oh, all the, the jealous Italian of. Guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 
<laughs> Everyone's jealous of Paolo. Uh, how many people went with Clegg Lars to search for Shim? Ashmi. Um, oh, wasn't it 12 went and five came back or something? Thir- I, I'm just going to throw a dart at the dartboard. I, I was going to say something quite close. I think it was like 13 or 15 and only three remained. 30. Three zero. went. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what, eight came back? Four came back. That was the next mm. question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what was offered to Obi-Wan in the bar to buy? Death sticks. Yeah. I know that one, yeah. Do, do you know the name of the guy who uh, sells him, tries to sell oh, him death Obviously sticks. not. <laughs> <laughs> Elan Sleaze Bagano. <laughs> Because <laughs> George just, Lucas hated smoking, so he made a character yeah. called Elad Sleaze Bagano to try and sell Obi-Wan <laughs> cigarettes. You know, I, I, I do like how he tells him to go and rethink his life, but I, I think the death sticks thing was another one that jumped out at me. It's like, oh, God, they've got, wor- they've got English words for everything. But, you know, rather than calling them cigarettes, you know, don't call, call them space cigarettes or death sticks or something like that. It's just ah, nonsense. <laughs> also, you can see in that bar scene in the background, you can see um, uh, the chap who plays uh, Jar Jar, Ahmed Best. Oh, oh really? Mm, he plays, yeah. So he's, I think technically speaking, he's played three characters in Star Wars, which is Jar Jar, um, Keller and Beck. And that character, but I can't remember if that was its own character or that was meant to be like Keller and Beck in Incognito, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, last one. What are the colours of the lightsabers seen in the Battle of Genie versus Purple? It's got to be green and blue, hasn't it? Yep. He has no yellow lightsabers at that that time, no. uh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, good questions, Math. I like them. That yeah. was more luck than judgment. I forgot about the yellow ones. <laughs> yeah, there's no no prequel yellow. I mean, originally George Lucas like there's only three colours, which is you know red, blue, green, and then because of Samuel Jackson, he changed the entirety of the lightsaber canon. <laughs> and then Single we've got head, multicoloured now. Yeah. You know, I th- I thought you were going to ask about the librarian because uh, she pops up as well in the Vader comics, doesn't she? Yeah, Joe Castanu. Joe Castanu, yeah. She is my least favorite. When I remember when I was a kid, seething with anger at her <laughs> of how rude she was to my boy. Yeah, it was like, oh, there's a planet, a system called Kamino, I've been told to say, if it is not in the archives, it does not exist. So, like, well, fuck yep. you then. <laughs> yeah. like, and you're wrong as well. Yeah. See, again, why didn't they kind of investigate that bit that someone's kind of deleted that from the archives? You know, it's like... It's not in the archives, don't they? Even Yoda goes, well, obviously go to the centre of where this place is and you'll find it. But yeah, but he's don't. not really that arsed, is he? He's not arsed. As arsed as he should be. You know, he's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to teach the younglings a bit more, you know, or Obi-Wan's lost a planet, he has. <laughs> you should be, you're the fucking head of the Jedi. You should be over there yourself. <laughs> you should be looking up what how someone yeah. has gone to the Jedi archives oh, deleted a planet. Yeah. Yeah. What else but, could they have done? Yeah, stop playing with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do get in Tales of the Jedi, you get that bit explained, which is quite cool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's because, um, you know, Tales of the Jedi is split between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite cool. Um, I love those questions, though, Math. Um, very good, good fun very good fun and I got to flex more um, a little bit 
which is what I like, you know. Make it sound like I'm the smartest in the room when only the subject is Star Wars and nothing else ever. Um, well, I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation, both the quiz as well. It's been great fun. Um, but is there any final words um, that either of you want to say about the film and then we'll do plugs or anything else to do with leading on to Clone Wars? Megan has confirmed she'll be joining us for the Clone Wars movie, um, which I'm very excited for. Can I just say, just just for Dave's ego, that uh, you got five questions right, Mike, and Dave got six. Really? <laughs> uh, fair enough, you went no, first. To be fair, <laughs> a lot of those were handed to me, I think. Yeah, I mean, the lightsaber cutting off hand thing, that was a guess being right. Um, and then the, the the music one, yeah, I legit didn't know. <laughs> um, I'm t- with Star Wars music, I'm really bad. Although I know what the... In universe, I know the names of more songs than out of universe. I know that the song that um, for Igrin, Dan and the Modal Nodes plays in the cantina in A New Hope is called Mad About Me. I know that. <laughs> and I know who Max Rebo is and Droopy McCall, but I don't know the name of any Star Wars songs bar Binary Sunset and Jewel of Fates. <laughs> which we'll, is quite bad we'll, we'll let you off <laughs> <laughs> oh, but have you uh, Mav did you so did you enjoy have you enjoyed Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones more than you thought you would on this rewatch uh, and has it made you more or less hyped <laughs> for the Clone it, Wars it, it's funny I, I have I've enjoyed going back to watch them it, there's flaws and the, the thing is it, it's like I mean Dave does this every week an old film, you can always pick up faults. There's always things that we can look and go, that won't work this, in this day and age, and things like that. But I've enjoyed going back to them. I've enjoyed the the spark I've got for Star Wars again. Um, I'm looking forward to Clone Wars the movie, maybe. Um, but I think that's one of the ones I will watch with George. He may actually get a bit... Because I think you've mentioned that it's in more of the kids. It's more like Young Jedi Adventures. Which I think he may, he may sit down and watch that. He may be all right with it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it, it's been fun to go back and, and kind of see it through different eyes now. And yes, there's faults there. But all in all, it's Star Wars. So... Dave mentioned it last time. Even shit pizza is pizza. You know, he's still going to probably enjoy it. You know, th- there's flaws there, there's problems there, but it still, it takes me back to my childhood. It takes me back to there, to enjoying, you know, things like that. That And that, at the end of the day, that's the idea of it. You know, I, I'm reading the comics and, and that. So it, it's it sparked this thing that I've I've missed. Um, and it's great that I get to come and kind of we you know we come and have a chat about it and kind of pick up phone and the stuff we would change but at the same point do we really want to change too much about it because then my version would be completely different to your version yeah yeah and there's something to be said like people have said before that when it comes to making Star Wars content, a lot of the time what you want is someone who doesn't actually like Star Wars as much. Like, I'm a super fan, and I know all these ins and outs, and there'd be probably things I'd put in a Star Wars film. I'd be like, that's so cool. And everyone else would be like, I didn't even understand this was a thing. I didn't understand what you did was even a reference to anything. And that's why I think something like Andor works so well, you know, because mo- the people involved in Andor, some of them really like Star Wars, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the showrunners 
they like Star Wars as much as the average person likes the original trilogy, whereas Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and a lot of involved in the Disney Plus series are obsessed with Star Wars. They've read loads of Legends, they've done all this crazy stuff, and they're, they're like, they love Star Wars like I do. And sometimes you need someone who, like, just wants to write a good story in the Star Wars universe, not write a good Star Wars story, because those are two different things. And I think that's the problem, is a good Star Wars story is completely subjective to whoever's consuming the Star Wars content. You know, I love prequels. I think they're amazing. You know, I probably enjoy watching the prequel trilogy more than I enjoy watching the original trilogy, even though the originals are better. You know, and my two favorite films, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith. Return of the Jedi is the, the generally the most divisive of the original trilogy as well. So there's all these things of what we like about Star Wars that's different, you know, and it's one of the things I love about these conversations while I'm always happy to talk Star Wars. Um, but, you know, I'm excited for you to watch Clone Wars and I'm so happy to hear that, you know, your love of Star Wars has been, you know, reignited somewhat. And, you know, you reading the comics warms my heart. And, you know, when you occasionally message me, like, oh, I just got this bit with the Darth Vader comics. I'm like, boy, I love it. It's great. And they're much you're loving Triple Zero and um, BT1. They're so good. They're so good. Well, Dave, with this watch, you know, how have you felt on this? Another rewatch of the prequels and how are you feeling going into the Clone Wars movie in the series? Yeah, I mean, I... I- I'd forgot that we were going to do Clone Wars, and so I, I'd calibrated my mind that Revenge of the Sith was next, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to watch a great movie, or I'm going to watch Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, so what I'd say about this movie, I, I feel like, for me, I, I would score this almost exactly the same as Phantom Menace. I think both of them have you know, moments and and clever overarching story points um with lots of flawed bits in between but i i don't think there's much to choose in between them at all i i, I think you could put a paper in between them so but yeah i mean uh, spoiling what i think of revenge of the sith but having gone back to that more recently you know it, it is so much better but again because it it's filled in by Clone Wars as well, which, you know, so you can never unsee that stuff. But yeah, kind of looking forward. I, I guess I'm looking forward for math watching the, you know, and maybe George as well, watching Clone Wars. Uh, and then I remember, shit, I have to watch it as well. <laughs> well I'm, just, I'm hoping for an epic Megan Spider-Man three-star rant. That's, that's yeah. what I, I'm, I'm striving for. What's getting me through the Clone Wars is Megan her review of it like i i, I want to hear matt's thoughts on it but in all honesty i want to hear matt's thoughts more so on certain arcs of the clone wars like i'm i've got secondhand excitement like when we when we were watching styles rebels together we were doing in whole seasons and the clone wars conversations there's certain seasons we're going to split a little bit because like seasons i think f- three and especially four you could almost do an entire episode of this whole discussion on just three or four episodes of the clone Wars series four like certain yeah. collections of them it's 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 mind-blowing um, so we'll split them a little bit but with Rebels it was like the whole seasons and although I love the fact we did Rebels reviewed it's like there's so much in certain seasons especially in the finale but knowing I know Math kind of knew you know, bits and pieces about Rebels anyway and there's you know dramatic tension taken away because you know about Ahsoka and stuff but the finale of series 4 and the Jedi Knight episode and all those things I was like so much secondhand excitement again for me to rewatch it because I love seeing those but for you to experience it for the first time Math, I'm just like I'm excited yeah, for I the mean, Clone Wars. That, I mean, the Jedi Knight episode is just, it. it's one of those that will stick with me for a long time. And it's just such good writing. Now, 
if they can take a smidge of that and that's in Clone Wars, I'm going to love it. Um, I mean, again, it's Star Wars, so I probably, there probably will be there's certain episodes in Rebels which are like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it just kind of there's ma- a lot ma- more of them in Clone Wars in the early seasons. Which, I'm not surprised if there's 20, 20 22 episodes each season, there's yeah. got to be a lot of filler. And that, yeah. But they are only, I think they're about 20, 30 minutes. 20, yeah. All, yeah. all the episodes are 20 minutes, yeah. And that, so... You know, you can you can put up with a bit of filler if it if it leads to something. I think that's that's possibly the issue. I think I probably enjoyed Attack of the Clones a bit more than Phantom Menace. To be fair, I think although it's longer and we have that love story that don't kind of fit, I think it goes past a lot quicker. Mm. I think Phantom Menace kind of there's a lot of setup and there's a lot of explaining. You know who all these characters are and what's going on. Um I think I think I would say maybe a bit on your your side here of that Attack of the Clones is a better film than Phantom Menace. It's nowhere near as good as uh Revenge of the Sith. And I know that even without going back and watching it, I know that's gonna be the case. I'm sorry. But I've enjoyed it a lot more. I, I didn't remember it that well. And going back and watching it, I think ah, there is actually a good film here, and it didn't feel like it dragged along. So, but it makes me excited to see what's going to come. And again, once you know, I don't know if I should be saying this, but once I've finally finished watching all film, once to go back and watch all these again, may kind of add a bit more to it. Mm-hmm. The more Star Wars you consume, the better it gets, uh, and the Clone Wars is. It's, it's, it's one of the best bits of Star Wars you can consume, really. So I'm very excited for you to experience that. But we'll wrap up here, so we'll do our plugs. So Dave, what are you up to at the moment with all your many podcasts? What's going on? This will probably come out um, near... Like, you don't have to spoil what's coming up in the VHS or anything, but this won't be out for a couple more weeks, just so you're aware. So you can see what episodes will already have come out. A couple more weeks. So uh, if you just... If I waffle ever so slightly uh, I will talk about so this week we've had uh, as we're recording so it would have been out already so Gladiator we've just reviewed not the Russell Crowe Gladiator but the 1992 Gladiator Um, and uh, the week after that we're going to do Big by Tom Hanks can't believe we've gone all of this time uh without doing that one but we finally uh talked about that and how wrong uh quite a lot of it is <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah uh just a bit weird but um yeah i know well, i i did this last time i i announced the next one which math doesn't know uh so I, i'm yeah. not gonna do that Come this on. time <laughs> <laughs> also if you are part of the patient and you get the late fees you get a brilliant brilliant episode about a film called rubber have, oh, have you rubber. watched it I've, i got it on i got it on dvd <laughs> really yeah 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 it's, it's like i've got a couple of weirder uh weirder films that other people have never seen or heard of but i'm i need to i need to hear that that is impressive so um yeah from 2010 that was a spider dan of spider dan and the secret balls that is the one yeah. i am impressed with that the, the best killer tire movie you'll ever see and it's right. It, it, it is, is the best. That, yeah, probably movie. the worst as well. But I think it came out in a good year. Didn't <laughs> I it? would not dispute that. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I like. I appreciate that pun. 
<laughs> I'm surprised that didn't come up in the episode, to be fair. But... Yeah, yeah. A missed opportunity, that, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, and obviously, we do the Chris and Dave's reality TV cast as well, just finishing off Married at First Sight. And then we're, we're trying to figure out what, what to do after that. I'm a celebrity, is coming up, but. I, I'm not commitment. sure I want to. It is a big commitment. It's like six out of seven nights. I'm not sure I've got that in me, so it might have to be something else. <laughs> That's a lot. But yeah. Mm. And Math, what have you got going on at the moment? Uh, just this. <laughs> um, Perfect. A bit, bit quiet. Christmas is coming up, so it gets quite busy around here anyway. Uh, so yeah, I just um, just look forward to doing this, I suppose, at the moment. Um, yeah. Clone Maybe Wars. something will appear in the pipeline, but uh, yeah. What's going to be funny is with Clone Wars, we're going to watch the Clone Wars movie, and after it, you're you might be you might enjoy it. You're probably going to enjoy it more than we did because you've just you've had a you're in this Star Wars Renaissance. Whereas I watched it when I'd started kind of not caring about Star Wars as much. Revenge of the Sith finished, Star Wars basically was done, and Doctor Who started up, which is my current love at that time. And then the Clone Wars movie came out. I was like, yeah, no. Listen for me. Whereas you, you've got like we're, we're all shitting on the Clone Wars movie so much. It, it's probably not going to be as bad as. A, we even remember it. I mean, I'm going to watch. Gonna I'm going to watch it with George anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the the could be the thing is he may really enjoy it. I mean, he enjoyed Young Jedi. And I that, enjoy Young Jedi. I watched it, it all, but it could be one of those things that might then kind of. I mean, it might even get his older brother to sit down and watch it with us as well. <laughs> um, see if Alex wants to watch that as well. But it, it, again, it, it could be a kind of a, a starting block to kind of bring the Star Wars into. You know, annoying the rest of the family. I've already been talking about getting a lightsaber, and Amanda's like, no. So, yeah, but, you know. But, <laughs> well, I mean, I will say, if he got into Clone Wars, that would be cool. But then we would have to put some sort of warning as certain seasons come up, because there's... It's like, oh, it's a kid's show, is it? Yeah, here's a war crime. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's cold mur- his cold-blooded murder. Oh, okay. What's the rating for the show? Six plus. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Rebels did that a little bit of, a few at times. It's like, oh. Did it, um, did it occur- yeah, there's a couple of Rebels episodes you're like, oof. And there's some Clone Wars episodes you're like, oh, oh God. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm very, I'm very excited. Very, very excited for Clone Wars conversations next year. So friends, make sure you subscribe to the feed of Comics in Motion. Or if you're watching the video version of this at youtube.com slash genuine chit chat, make sure you subscribe. Check out the episodes of well, the last time we did this, which is Phantom Menace. Check that out. And all the episodes of Star Wars Rebels Reviewed, including the wrap-up episode. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got the Clone Wars movie coming out. Um, I imagine what's going to happen is we'll, we'll, we'll watch the Clone Wars movie shortly and then we'll record probably record to release uh, December. But I imagine what's going to happen is what happened with Rebels, which is when we do the Clone Wars stuff, me and Dave will be like waiting towards the last minute to finish off Clone Wars. We'll try and watch a few in the in the month, but then it'll be like a race to the finish the last week. Math will finish it all in like a week. Be like, guys, can we record the episode, please? I want to know what happens next. And me and Dave are like, meh. And it's like, you guys have seen this. This is okay for you to wait. You know what happens. I have to wait here for you guys to catch up for us to record an episode so I can see what's happening next. And so that's going to be funny as well. Um, but, you know, it's just been so much fun chatting styles with the both of you. It's absolute delight. Thank you for the work you put in math with the questions. And thank you, Dave, for making the time. So, friends, you I'm can find turning me. turning up. Yeah, turn it. Just turn, basically, you're being the Chris of this of this trifecta. Yeah. 
How's your shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Padme ripping her clothes, isn't it, in the Geonosis? That's a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that bit of the videotape was... But, French, you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat, Instagram, uh, Twitter slash X, and uh, Facebook and TikTok and all that jazz. Look at all the Star Wars conversations I've had on YouTube. I recently spoke to Ethan Sachs about Star Wars and his indie comic A Haunted Girl. You don't have to have read any of his comics to enjoy the conversation. Great fun. And I've got another Star Wars author coming up soon. So that's going to be very, very exciting as well. That may or may not be up by the time this comes out. But just check out the other stuff I've done. Friends, thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll talk to you uh, in a few weeks' time with the Clone Wars Conversations ultimate prequel with the Clone Wars movie. And then we'll start off 2024 with the Clone Wars series. Friends, thank you for listening. Dave Math, thank you for joining. And we'll speak to you very soon. So, of course, may the Force be with you. And be with you. And that's the end of the episode and also the quiz. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friends, please let us know what you think of Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace and the prequels in general. Do you side more with myself or are you more on what math kind of thinks or more so like Dave? Please let us know and let us know how you did on the quiz as well. I thought it was a really, really cool quiz that math put together. So kudos to him. In addition to that, as I mentioned in the start, please check out my other Star Wars conversations. Very recently, I spoke with Ethan Sachs, who's the author of the Bounty Hunters comics, as well as loads of other cool Star Wars miniseries and lots of non-Star Wars content as well, including A Haunted Girl, which is a miniseries he created with his daughter, being inspired by her struggle with mental health and mixing in some horror elements and things like that. It's a really, really cool miniseries and it's very, very important. So please check out the conversation and, of course, support Ethan and Naomi in their release. Go check out A Haunted Girl. I've also got another Star Wars interview planned for tomorrow, so if that all goes to plan, you'll be hearing me talk about it next week, and then it should be released probably the week after that. I've also had plenty of other Star Wars-related conversations. I've spoken with Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray, George Mann, even Paolo Villanelli, who is the artist who works with Ethan Sachs on quite a few of the Bounty Hunters comics as well. So please check those out. If you're not already subscribed to Genuine Chit Chat's YouTube channel, please go over there, check out the playlists. You can check out Star Wars conversations and all my Star Wars author-related conversations, as well as quite a few others are all in there, and the vast majority have video as well. In addition to that, please check out my show Star Wars Comics in Canon. All the episodes are on YouTube, on its own feed, which you may be listening to right now, or on the feed of Comics in Motion. You never have to have read a single Star Wars comic in your entire life to enjoy that, so please check that out. I go through the plot details of the Star Wars Comics in Question of the week, and then I give additional information and context and connect it to other pieces of Star Wars content as well. So it widens your understanding of the canon if you've already read the comics, and if you've never read the comics, it even deepens your understanding, knowing some of those stories that you may have missed. And if you haven't, obviously go back and check out the episode of The Phantom Menace, which was released only two weeks ago on whatever feed that you're listening to this on. And you can check out Star Wars Rebels Reviewed as well, which is where myself, Dave and Math went through each season of Star Wars Rebels and reviewed it, unsurprisingly. Megan also makes an appearance on our fifth episode, which is like the predecessor to Ahsoka. And I've done weekly discussion episodes on all the Ahsoka episodes as well from that series, so make sure you check those out as well. Math made an appearance on one, and Dave made an appearance on another one. And then obviously in 2024, we will be doing the Clone Wars conversations, which I've mentioned numerous times in this recording, so I will not delve into it again here. But in a couple weeks' time, we will be recording our Clone Wars The Movie review, so that's going to be a fun one, especially because Megan's on board and she hated it the first time she saw it, so we'll see if she still feels that way. And what else is coming up next week? Well, next week for listeners on the feed of Comics in Motion and Star Wars Comics in Canon, you will hear my Darth Vader 2020 episode. Well, I'm delving into issues 30, 31, and 32. They're all written by Greg Pak, and I talk about the Handmaidens quite a lot in there. So if you want to hear even more information on the Handmaidens than I spoke about in this episode, make sure you subscribe and then tune in next week. 
On the feed of Genuine Chit Chat, I've just recorded a conversation with Dr. Blaine Leeds. He's been a dentist for several decades and he's recently delved into the world of sleep because he's found a lot of interesting connections between sleep issues, primarily caused by sleep apnea and teeth. It's a really, really interesting conversation and we hear a lot of cool things about sleep and teeth and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you tune in for that one because you're probably going to learn quite a few things unexpectedly as I did. And the video version for that will be out on YouTube as well. Aside from that, my friends, make sure you keep an ear out for the Disney discussions number 10 on social media. Myself, Rhea, Spider-Dan and Megan will be posting our request for yourselves to send in your Disney film suggestions. And then we're going to go through them, each choose one, and then we're going to let yourselves all decide on which two we're going to tackle for Disney discussions number 10. So obviously we want to get you involved in that. And if you don't already follow me on social media, follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, X and Facebook, as well as on TikTok. Subscribe on my YouTube channel, leave a review. If you leave a review and send me a screenshot or even a rating or anything on Spotify, anything like that, send me a screenshot and I'll send you a free episode from my Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat, you get instant access to over 190 episodes of Afterthought. So some of them are Star Wars Legends book reviews that I do. So I go through the plot details of the Star Wars Legends books and give my thoughts on it. So it's a really great way to widen your understanding of Star Wars Legends if you haven't really delved in. As well as myself and Megan reviewing TV shows and movies and road trips and live performances we've seen. So it's a really great way to not only support this show, but also you get loads of bonus content. You get at least one episode a week. And whenever I release episodes that are across multiple feeds or if they're Patreon exclusive episodes that I release to you normal listeners, then the patrons get a bonus episode as well. We just finished Spooky Season, so we tackled all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, as well as a couple of other non-Nightmare films in between. And as we get into the Christmas season, Megan is going to make me watch a lot of Christmas films, including some of those cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies, so make sure you keep an eye out for those as well. But friends, that's going to be enough from me, so thank you as always for listening, I hugely appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week, either with my conversation with Dr. Blaine Leeds, or my Darth Vader episode, or both if you like listening to all of my content, which if you do, I hugely appreciate it. Please share this with your friends, keep an eye on social media for the Disney discussions, request for films, make sure you subscribe, and of course, I hope you have a wonderful time, and may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.